Hello, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to another live stream of uh, Atlas Information Live. And uh, we are glad that you could join us this evening. We usually wait a few moments to allow some people to uh, shuffle in. Um, but tonight, we're going to be tackling a topic which is all but universal. Uh, certainly, everyone has experienced, to one degree or another, um, some dynamic in a relationship. And whether, whether we are currently in a relationship or seeking a relationship or hoping to be in a relationship at some point in the near future, it is almost certain that we have some experience in past relationships. And although the focus of tonight's talk will be about uh, romantic relationships, as it were, um, by no means is the fundamental uh, dynamic that we will be talking about, by no means is it limited to merely romantic or sexual relationships. Uh, relationships are relationships. It's only a question of degree. And platonic relationships, professional relationships, friendships, everyone that is close to us in our circle of life, in our circle of being, has some sort of karmic bond with us. You may have heard of something known as the soul family. Um, this is a phenomenon where monads work together for multiple lifetimes. There are monads that have a, an affinity for one another. They know one another. They are close to one another. And they, they just gel. They just work. Um, they, they resonate. They, 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 they have a synchronicity. And they choose to gather and work with one another uh, lifetime after lifetime. And uh, so even if that's not the case, the people that are closest to you will you will attract by virtue of what you are so the law of attraction works in that way like attracts like and this is true for uh, individuals and relationships and that really is the foundation of what we're going to be speaking about today the dynamic at play in relationships and uh, in the description to this live stream we uh, you probably noticed that we emphasized the uh, challenging or difficult aspects of relationships. And you may be wondering or may have had the reaction of, well, why, you know, why is it, why does he make it sound out to be so bad? I mean, relationships aren't so bad. Relationships are, so, are, relationships are supposed to be beautiful and they're supposed to be filled with love and kindness and generosity and all these wonderful things. Well, we, we focus on the negative aspects of relationships or the difficult or the challenging aspects of relationships because uh, there's no need to focus on the positives. What's working is working. It's like when you go to a, uh, an automotive maintenance uh, how-to guide, they're not going to go on and on and on and on about how everything works when it's working properly they're going to give you advice and information on how to uh, repair things that are broken. 
or what to do when things are malfunctioning, what to do when things aren't going uh, operating as uh, you feel they should, and uh, what the symptoms are, but also what what the fixes are. And in this particular, and because that's that's what that's why they're challenges. That's why uh, we are challenged in relationships because they're they're challenging, and they're challenging precisely because the individuals in our lives, the people closest to us, are mirrors to ourselves. And they show us precisely that which we don't want to see. And there is a very specific way in which those aspects of ourselves and our partner are brought to the surface and brought out and uh, become active and dynamically so um, by virtue of our our relationship with them and the dynamic at work in that relationship. And that's really where our focus needs to be in this conversation is the metaphysical science, the dynamic at play. If we can focus in on the dynamic and recognize that th that dynamic is a mechanical process it's not a process of personal vendetta. It's not a process of, it's not personal. It's, it, it is scientific. It is, it is esoteric, but it is mechanical. That dynamic is playing out whether we like it or not, whether we want it to or not. And the other individual, the other, the, our partner is, uh, is every bit as um, succumbing to that dynamic as we are. They are, they are being affected by that dynamic as, as much as we are. So if we can step away and see that dynamic for what it is in a scientific way, we can hopefully separate ourselves uh, emotionally from the dynamic that is causing these so-called challenges or difficulties. This is important because obviously relationships are in many ways the most important things in our lives. Um, our friendships and our, 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 our romantic relationships with, with our spouse, with our lover. Um, and if you do a survey of people that, and, who are single, and they ask them, you know, what's the most important thing in their life or what, what is the thing that they desire most or they long for the most? And it's, uh, it's a, a vast majority of them will say, well, to be in a relationship. Uh, so to be in a relationship, no matter where you are, what, what, what your level of consciousness, what your level of being is, to be in a relationship, to not be alone, to be together in a partnership with someone, a life partnership with someone is so important to uh to so many and it is all too easy to become emotionally wrapped up in that relationship in a in a entangled kind of way obviously we're going to be emotional towards our partner i mean if we love them we feel deeply uh, about them and for them we have that deep connection that's that's going to 
put fire in our heart and fire in our, uh, our belly, as it were, it's going to ignite that energy, that fire within us, the passion. The more we care about somebody, the more emotional and the more passionate we will be about our relationship with them. And when we face trials and tests and challenges related to that relationship, uh, it, it, is, it is all too easy to get tangled up and overwhelmed by the emotions themselves. And again, all of this is happening because of the dynamic which is playing out. And there is a expression that we use. We might as well just leap into the topic now. There's an expression we use that goes something like, if it's not sparks in the bedroom, it's a fire in the kitchen. And the implication there is that between the, the closer the relationship, the more energy the dynamic has to fuel interactions. And those interactions can be obviously very electric, have a great deal of heat, have a great deal of passion. And that passion, that dynamism, that, that, that electricity, that fire can flow up and in, or it can flow down and out. It can flow positively it can, and it can flow negatively. And the passion that unfolds and plays out in the bedroom that we deem to be a positive, uh, a positive uh, way of working with that energy can just as easily turn into uh, a grease fire in the kitchen when it's flowing in the opposite direction. And it's not, it, the energy is not being used to coalesce and, and congeal and, and bring us closer together in a more intimate way. But the energy is apparently seeming to try to tear us apart and, and, put, and drive wedges between us. And the energy wants to flow out in anger and frustration and all manner of emotions that, that can be uh, kindled and triggered through our day-to-day -day, uh, day -day interactions with our, with, our, uh, with our mate, with our partner. So what, why, why is this so? And how exactly does this work? And more importantly, why is this important to us on the spiritual path, on the spiritual journey. Um, the, the reason, of course, is because, um, as we have discussed in the past, the major uh, hindrances to us on our spiritual path are our own egos. Uh, lust, fear, pride, gluttony, greed, laziness, etc. And these egos operate inside of us and they create for us our desires, they create for us emotions, they create for us uh, mental patterns and beliefs. But what they also do 
is they operate largely without our awareness. They're subconscious in nature, but they're energetic. They use our energy and they use our consciousness and they use our energy and they radiate outward, whether we're aware of it or not. This energy radiates outward and creates a field uh, around us. And that field has certain resonance, resonant frequencies. Now, according to the law of attraction, like attracts like, there's a very good chance that uh, these same egos uh, are shared, or at least some of them, not all of them, but some of them are shared by our partner. And what's more, the resonant frequencies of the sexual energy are are they they are harmonious they 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 um they're complementary like complementary notes on an octave or or chords if you're if you're musical uh we are not musical so <laughs> we don't know where, it's difficult for us to use that analogy but but you know some notes go together and some notes clash some colors go together and others clash so we call this chemistry when we have chemistry with someone it's because the resonant frequency of our sexual energies are aligned, are, 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 in, are uh, synchronous, they're in synchronicity. And when the sexual energy between two people are in synchronicity, then what that means is any of that energy that's flowing through egos, so the energy that's being stolen and consumed by egos and empowering those egos, those egos are gonna vibrate um, at that same resonant frequency so it's like a tuning fork <clears throat> you you uh you play a note on the piano and the tuning fork will vibrate at the same or, or you play a note on one instrument the uh the string on the piano will vibrate at the same frequency there's so that string on the piano which is tuned to that frequency will begin to vibrate because it's picking up the vib vibrations it's a uh, um uh, it's entrainment or harm uh, it's a harm um Harmony and it's a synchronicity. I'm sure there's other words that can be applied there that uh, that are not coming to mind, but you get the general idea. If you play a certain note at just the right frequency, you can shatter a crystal glass, right? If you hit the the right frequency, that is the frequency that is holding together the crystals in the the molecules in the crystal glass, you can shatter it, turn it to dust, just by just by hitting the right frequency. That is what's happening between us and our partner. We have chemistry, we have common egos, and when one in one partner, the egos become active and become vibrating, our partner will pick that up, maybe not consciously, but unconsciously, subconsciously, their ego will begin to vibrate at the same resonant frequency. And will begin to 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 make use of the same sec of their sexual force, which is which is the same resonant frequency as ours because we have chemistry. And then the two things will start building and building and building and building and building, and we experience that as negative emotion if it's negative, and we experience it as positive emotion, where we deem it as positive if it's uh, if if uh, the egos are saying something good that we like. I desire this. So, for example, when 
when it's lust and we desire sex. So that's we we look at it that as we look at that as a positive thing. But if it's fear and if it's control, and if it's uh, our partner is not, um, you know, behaving in a way or not producing the outcomes that we desire, then all of a sudden, or you know, something we we become upset, we become angry, we become frustrated, we become disappointed, or it could be any number of completely innocuous things like the way your spouse um, eats their scrambled eggs. There might be just there might be some little thing, little behavior, little quirk that your partner does. And it just drives you crazy. You don't know why it drives you crazy, but it drives you crazy. And it's just, it just irks you. It just irritates you. It becomes like, uh, like to you, it's like nails on a chalkboard or, or something. It's just very irritating. There's some, certain things that they might do or, the, or how they do certain things that just that gets on your nerves. And we even use this terminology, right? It gets on my nerves. It's it's a it's a it's a mechanical automatic reaction when when our partner does this or this or this and it just it bites right to the bone. Well, what's happening there is our just an ego is being triggered and is causing that visceral reaction inside of us. And it, whatever it is that that individual is doing, and lots of times they're doing it unconsciously. Lots of times, uh, someone who has a, a quirk or a tick, a nervous tick or something that they do, it drives us crazy. They might be doing it and completely unaware that they're doing it. It's an ego that's doing it. It's an ego that's burning on, that's that's stealing energy. It's using energy and, and stealing consciousness. And it's just an ego just doing what egos do. But because we're so synergized as partners, that there's a good chance that we have the same ego inside of us. It doesn't manifest the same way, but when it manifests in our partner through that quirk, through that tick, it gets activated inside of us. And then all of a sudden, but it manifests in a completely different way inside of us. And if it's and it creates, yeah, this. If they're doing, for example, if they are doing, let's be very clear and scientific about it. If someone has a nervous tick or someone has a behavior that they do unconsciously as a way of dealing with nervousness, which is ultimately fear, but it's unconscious, subconscious fear. So they might, um, they might tap their, their fingers, you know, or they might scratch something or they might play with their hair. You know, and they're just playing with their hair and playing with their hair and playing with their hair and playing with their hair. This is something that they're doing as a coping mechanism to help burn off negative energy that's in their nervous system that's being caused by fear or anxiety, some deep, deep-seated subconscious fear or you know that's anxiety. So playing with their hair is their coping mechanism. They might have been doing it ever since they were kids, and it's like a it's like a nervous tick. It's a it's a habit. It's just something that they do. Now, you as their partner, you see them doing this, and every time they do this, you you get triggered, and it gets it gets on your nerves. And the reason why it gets on your nerves is because they are doing it precisely to get energy off their nerves. 
because something is on their nerves and this this playing with their hair is a coping mechanism to get that energy off of their nerves but you don't have such a coping mechanism and that latent uh that latent uh, ego that that particular ego of fear that is causing them that is getting on their nerves that's causing them to do this tick and that's they've been coping with that ego by doing this thing for their entire lifetime now when they do this that's because that ego is an activity in them it's getting on their nerves or doing this to get it off their nerves but that's putting that same ego inside of you into activity and it's getting on your nerves that's the truth of what's happening here that is the scientific metaphysical reality of the situation nothing that your partner does can get on your nerves that is a myth nothing that your partner does it's not the hair thing that they're doing playing with their hair that's getting on your nerves that's driving you crazy that's not true the ego inside of you presents it that way because as we've discussed very often egos work in the darkness work be, work behind the shadows they want to convince you that you're a victim that the cause of your of your dis-ease of your nervousness of your frustration of your of of this, uh, this thing that's getting on my nerves it's being caused by a partner it's not being caused by a partner it's being caused by an ego that's inside of you that ego which is being which is being put into activation because of your harmonious uh, energetic synergy between you and your partner and the fact that you're mirrors for each other and you both have the same egos not completely but you have you share many 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 egos and the same ego that's inside your partner that is the cause of the nervousness that made them develop this nervous tick that they do is an activation when they're doing this and that ego in activation because you're you're you, you have the chemistry and because you have the synchronicity and you have the uh you have the alignment that ego in, comes into activation puts the same uh ego into activation inside of you which is now getting on your nerves this is what is happening this is what is taking place there is no that I mean think about it how many people if you've ever ridden a bus taken the subway taken a train been out in public how many people have you seen on television whatever playing with their hair and you and it has it has had absolutely zero effect on you you could care less or how many people in public have you seen picking their nose or pulling their earring or doing any number of nervous tics and you could care less but if it's someone in your family or if it's your your partner or someone you know someone close to you or your friend and all of a sudden it gets on your nerves that's because these people close to you share th these energetic synchronicities they're part of your soul family you have a energetic um, um, affinity with them and it's na it's natural that when something happens to someone that's close to you it affects you on a deeper level 
on these deeper levels and those deeper levels cut through not just to the egos but beyond to your to your your very soul your very being is affected by what they go through that's why you can hear about people dying all the time on television it doesn't affect you but if someone dies or someone's suffering that's close to you you're affected by that this is all has to relate to where we are in terms of our particular octave octaves that we that we vibrate on that are our tonality uh, the music that we live by and that uh, that musical range that uh, that that functions on us metaphysically on all the different levels of our being and as above so below so as we have um, and as within so without and these these uh, energetic frequencies or well I mean we, we even say it right we even have these words we talk about chemistry yes but we also talk about vibes and we talk about you know people that give us the heebie-jeebies right people just rub you the wrong way people that just give off a bad vibe or you just you just you're just around people and you just you just feel off right you feel wrong there's something you're just getting yeah we say the heebie-jeebies or you, you say you know whatever um um <clears throat> whatever um whatever word comes to mind that expresses that for you uh that you're picking up these uh these negative energies so that's the first step to realize in a relationship that well i mean that's that's the that's the science behind it but of course we know that it doesn't stop there it doesn't end there where it goes from there is one or both of the partners start pointing fingers and blaming the other one because they identify with the ego inside of them that's getting triggered and they say you're doing that again you know that drives me crazy and the person say i don't know what you're talking about I'm not doing anything. Even the person twirling their hair. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not doing anything. You're doing that thing with your hair. What thing? I don't know what you're talking about. And they can actually be doing it and saying, I don't know what you're talking about. And it can, and there, and then the other person will 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 react with, now you now you're just trolling me. What do you what do you mean you don't know what you're talking about? You're doing it right now. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what, what you're doing. I always do this. I've always done this. It's never bothered me you before. It's you've never said anything before or what have you i mean we're not going to sit here and make up arguments you've had the arguments you've had the fights whether it's with your family or romantic partners or friends or what or co-workers it doesn't matter you've had the interrelationship challenges and you've had the arguments that if you if you recollect them and you think back on them completely half of them have been completely irrational or you, you may think the other person has been completely rational and you've been rational, but in reality, you've probably both been irrational because our egos are, as we've said many times, our egos are not our friends and they are our, our opponents. And if you tuned in to our last live, live stream, we talked about stress, anxiety, depression, and these chronic 
conditions that, uh, of psychological and mental health, which plague us over many, over extreme long periods of time, maybe entire lifetimes. For years, we suffer from it. And we used the analogy of wrestling and how when we wrestle with egos, what that really means and how if you think into the term wrestling, you don't wrestle an enemy. No enemies wrestle each other. You think about that. We, we wanted to use this analogy from Ford versus Ferrari. If you've watched, if you've seen that movie, it was a recent movie, came out last year, we believe. Last year, maybe two years ago. And it's a story of uh, how Ford wanted to win Le Mans, wanted to beat Ferrari. And there's a great scene in that movie where uh, Matt Damon's uh, character um, gets into a fight with uh, Christian Bale's character. And that's uh, Matt Damon is playing uh, Carol Shelby. And, um, and the two characters get into a fight and they get into a wrestling match. And they wrestle, you know, like this, the movie's, you know, set in the 60s, I guess. And uh, they, they get into a wrestling match. And then when they're done with their little fight and they're done with their wrestling match, they, they brush themselves off and they, you know, they have a beer. Because this is what wrestling is, right? You, you, wrestling is what you do with someone who you like or with someone who you respect. You wrestle. It's, a, it's like a dance. But it's a dance of, uh, that's trying to determine something. It's trying to prove something to somebody. I mean, it's a sport, for heaven's sake. Right? Your opponent is your opponent. It's your wrestling opponent is your adversary, but it's not your enemy. And we use the analogy of contemporary wrestling, which is a show, which is all fake. It's all scripted. It's a drama. It's a, it's a, it's a uh, soap opera for teenage boys. And men who you know never grew up. It's you know it's wrestling. Well, there's an aspect of wrestling, that particular type of wrestling, that coordinated, scripted soap opera wrestling, the WWE, I guess they called it. They, in, back in my day, it was the WWF. And, um, <clears throat> and there's an element of that wrestling known as tag team wrestling. And many times in the course of this scripted drama of this, uh, of this uh, wrestling, in tag team wrestling, many times you would end up in a scenario where uh, two, two uh, team members would be ganging up on one. But in any case, the, the concept of the tag team wrestling is important here because you and your partner are are two um now what happens if your partner and yourself share an ego and those egos are vibrating at the same frequency and those egos want from you what all egos want from us. Um, and that is our, uh, that is our consciousness. 
and our sexual energy. We've shown this before, so this shouldn't be anything new. So our egos enslave our consciousness and they consume our vital energy, our sexual energy. And they do this through um, craving. For example, I want this, an aversion, I don't want that. Or they do it through identification. For example, I'm the greatest or aversion, I'm the worst. Or they tag team and they do things like rationalization. They will like me if I do this or irrationality. They all hate me. So egos can work together. And egos can work together inside of us, or they can work together with our partner. Meaning, meaning one ego inside of us and one ego in our partner will tag team in order to get that consciousness and that vital energy which they desire. So what happens, again, going back to that wrestling analogy, what happens in the drama, what happens in the soap opera if you get a tag team wrestling team, a pair, ganging up on one, one member of the other team? What happens if the other team are not working together as a team? They're both outnumbered. So if our egos in that dynamic, which we describe, are working together to pull us apart, to get us to, to be angry, to, to consume our vital energy, and to, to get us to fight and to create conflict, because in, in that creation of conflict, we expend the sexual energy, we, we, we waste it, it's, it's flowing down and out they consume that energy when it's flowing down and out so they're trying to get us to have that conflict but if but they they only do that if they can make us be opposed to one another but we're a couple we're a partnership we're supposed to be working together so if we use the analogy of tag team wrestling we recognize that you have to be you have to visualize this right like two on one two beating up one and then two beating up the other one because the, 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 the because we're not working together we're separate and we're being separated and this is how the origin of divide and conquer comes from within us divide and conquer wasn't invented out there divide and conquer happens inside of us and between us in interrelationships the egos in our relationship are causing us to putting a rift a wedge driving a wedge between us and the deeper they can drive that wedge between us the greater the conflict the greater the uh, the, the 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 suffering and the anger and the frustration that that stems from that separation and then they consume that energy and they also trap our consciousness because we're becoming identified with all these emotions and all these beliefs and all these these irrational desires and and aversions and all this and all this this pardon the expression all this bullshit that those egos are feeding us and this victimhood and all the rest of all the rest of it all that nonsense and all that stuff that we use as 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 that we weaponize 
in those relationships, we want to get back at the other person and we start playing all these games and all this other ridiculous nonsense, which, which, uh, which takes place in relationships. But wrestling, if our egos are tag team wrestling us and your, your, uh, uh, your fear is triggering my fear, and my fear is working together with your fear through control, through a control dynamic. Who's going to control the other one? My ego of fear and control is trying to get you to, to be this way. And your ego of fear and control is trying to get me to be the, try to me, trying to get me to be that way. And I don't want to be that way. I want to do things my way and you want to do things your way. But we're trying to get each other to do things our way. It's this, it's just, it's just a wedge that's being driven between us. And it's dividing and conquering. And our egos are doing that. They're conspiring against us. They're tag teaming us. There is only one possible solution one long-term viable sustainable solution and that is to have to to have a fair wrestling match to have a fair wrestling match is not to have two on one it's to have two on two which means the 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 partners have to work together in that wrestling ring and they have to recognize that they're being wrestled into submission that there's something that's driving a, that there's something driving a wedge between them they have to be able to see it recognize it acknowledge it and detach from it not identify with it separate um, to go back to that um, the uh, analogy which uh, we used on um, on uh, Friday when we were talking about egos and stress uh, we used the the analogy of the lighthouse and the boat in the storm and we chose we found this image and it's the absolute perfect image because there's nobody in the boat so you know what's there to worry about the vessel the person the personality is in the middle of the storm Right? But we don't have to be identified and we don't have to be stuck in the boat. We can identify with the lighthouse keeper. And the lighthouse keeper shines a light of consciousness on what's going on in the, in the middle of the storm. But the lighthouse keeper is safe and sound on solid ground. And the lighthouse keeper is the keeper of the light. And the lighthouse keeper wouldn't even be there if it wasn't for the light which is the being of our being, which is the cosmic Christ, which is the Logos. So in this analogy applied in, in the relationship dynamic, both partners can be in that lighthouse together, both partners shining that light of consciousness on the storm 
that's taking place that's trying to break that uh, relationship which is a different kind of vessel it's trying to it's trying to splinter and shatter that relationship it's trying to break it apart it's trying to sink it in the midst of that storm or at least in that particular fight in that particular argument because the egos are clever that way they're as parasites they want to keep feeding off of their host for many 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 years so they don't necessarily want you to split up right that's why so many people stay in toxic relationships because they're they're just as their fear will be behind many of the uh, fights and arguments uh, because of the nature of uh, the desire to control and that turns the fear turns to anger and frustration and hatred but uh, what will happen is the same fear that's that's acting out of control and trying to tear them apart to to um, siphon the uh, the energy out of the relationship that same fear will convince each individual no 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 because you can't do better than this or no you don't want you don't want to go back out of the dating scene or you don't want to be alone you know what it's and so that same fear of being alone will push them back together again and the desire to be in control of their lives and so on and so forth that that the fear will instill that and push them out so it'll have them on this pendulum swing so the relationship is good to bad to good to bad to good to bad and they're constantly getting into fights and then constantly making up and and then of course you may be familiar with this concept of makeup sex which is um which is sort of a a, a common uh idea concept which is when a, a couple has a rip-roaring argument or fight and then afterwards they have quote the best sex why are they why are they having the best sex right after an argument that's worthwhile asking the question especially when you understand the dynamics involved and what do those egos really want and why are they getting the why are the egos making a couple's fight in the first place it's they they want the sexual energy they want the sexual energy to flow down and out because that's when egos consume it that's how egos consume it when the energy flows down and out it goes from a high vibration to a low vibration and so the egos which exist in lower levels of metaphysical reality in the infernal worlds in hell the subconscious mind they can only access that that energy if it's at the 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 level with which they can consume it so that's why they're gonna they're trying to bring us down to their level they're trying to bring us down into a vibration that's in synchronicity with them so when you have the best sex ever it's purely lustful animal sex so makeup sex is the best sex ever because it's primal and it's animal and it's this and that and it's it's and also because well and if you have feelings of love and amorousness afterwards it's because those egos have been satisfied they've been they've gorged themselves on your sexual energy and they've all now they're just now they're going to leave you alone and so they leave you alone and so for a, a brief moment you have a reprieve and no egos are bothering you and then all of a sudden you feel all the love and everything is, is is just bellowing out because the egos have have all gorged themselves 
at the trough of your uh, of your sexual fountain and they've all been temporarily satisfied and so now you're going to have this all oh, this beautiful loving embrace and everything else and you know you're going to be giggling and whatever about you know about the the, the rip roaring argument you had and 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 how it led to the best sex and so on and so forth but this is actually what's this is what's happening metaphysically and scientifically inside of you that's why in this picture in this couple you have the different ways in which this couple either you know either they're they're having this beautiful hallmark greeting card moonlights you know um, uh, sunset uh, image or they're or they're yelling and screaming at each other but what's actually happening inside metaphysically is they're getting screwed they're getting screwed egos screw with us egos essentially rape us they get us to um, expel our sexual force in any number of ways and reduce them to ever lower vibrations and um, and they feed on us like any like any parasite and so the concept of the incuba incubus and the succubus the succubus which uh, fornicates with men and the incubus with fornicates with women these are actual real phenomenon which take place um, um, at night that's a slightly off topic but um, the actual egos function on the same premise. So demons and vampires and all these, this imagery um, is based on the fact that the these psychological aggregates, which we call egos or sins or nafs, the seven deadly sins, lust, greed, pride, fear, etc. Um, they are, they use our sexual energy to reproduce themselves and they steal our consciousness through identification and attachment so they get us to identify with them and they bottle up more of our consciousness inside of them and as they do that they become more powerful and more influential in our lives and it's the what's actually happening is we are getting screwed and this is what screws up relationships this is the only thing which screws up and ruins relationships. It doesn't mean that there aren't other reasons why couples break up because there are just sometimes when couples grow apart, couples recognize that, hey, I'm going this way, you're going that way, and um, our, our goals in life are no longer synergistic i mean we 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 seem to have been going on parallel lines for a time but now those lines are diverging again and couples can break up very amicably and remain friends or even if they don't remain friends if they just moving on like someone moves to the other side of the globe and you know it's just practical things like i have to follow my dream i have to follow my heart and my fault my heart is taking me this way and your heart is taking you that way well then it's time for us to part ways that's not an ego thing that's two monads who, for a time, they were together. They needed to be together. They needed to work together, but now they need to move on. We've had 
experiences. We've had relationships, countless relations. Well, maybe not countless, but many, many relationships like that. They were they were soulmates. They were they were the individual that for that period of time that we were together, we needed to be together. But we didn't. Those relationships didn't end because, you know, our egos screwed it up. And we've also had those relationships because we're still single, right? We're 48 years old and still single. So you might be asking, well, what qualifies us? What qualifies you to be doing a live stream about relationships? You're still single. Well, what qualifies me to be doing a, a, a live stream on relationships is precisely because this dynamic that we're describing to you was made clear precisely through those relationships and those failed relationships when it was absolutely clear what was taking place and what was going on but um but the other in the uh the other person involved uh didn't want to see it didn't want to see the dynamic didn't want to accept the reality that was taking place it she wanted it to be my fault it was all my fault and she wanted to be the victim she wanted to play power games she was she in other words she was she was caught up and wrapped up inside of the ego that she didn't want to see and um i and i was trying to explain like i said like a relationship can't continue in that situation a relationship has to end because if you are in a situation where um where these egos are working together and you're being tag teamed if your partner is identified with those egos and 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 buying into their bullshit now you're it's like you're being now it's like you're being ganged up on by three different entities the ego inside of you the ego inside of them and them and that's you get out get out there's no point in staying there's absolutely no point in staying at that point. You can't be in a relationship, a meaningful relationship, and uh, have any hope of happiness and have any hope of getting anything positive spiritually out of the situation if you stay in a relationship like that. Now, sometimes we don't have a choice because sometimes the relationships that we're in are things like family, and you don't get to choose your family. And sometimes we're stuck in relationships, family relationships, where there's just, there's no, forget about even dis discussing this topic, right? There's these, there's, there's too much, um, you know, no matter what you do, you can't get through to them because they're too much, bottled up inside of those egos and there's just nothing you can do you can't win and um if someone's being narcissistic if someone's being passive aggressive with you there's situations like that but but you also can't get away right because it's it's very difficult to divorce yourself from your family for example brothers and sisters and parents and so on so you have to try to find a way to um a way to make the the most of it or make the best of it well and how do you do that 
how do you do that if they're not willing to, quote, play ball? Well, the way you do it is to meditate and observe carefully and recognize how you can achieve peace so long as you let go of every desire for the other person in the relationship to be anything else but what they are. That's a lot of words, so let's see if we can't truncate that and make it a little simpler. Remember when we said there is nothing that somebody else in the relationship can do to bother you or to get on your nerves? What gets on your nerves is inside of you. That means your peace and your happiness is on your shoulders. It's not reliant on anybody else. Nobody, on, nobody in your family can disturb your peace and your happiness if you're in the lighthouse. They can storm, they can, they can try to whip up a storm inside of you, and they will, because we have that energetic synergy with people in our family. And they will trigger, we share common egos, and they will trigger those egos inside of us. And, but if we do not identify with the egos that are being triggered, if we see them and we recognize them for what they are, and we are not in the boat, we're in the lighthouse, and we let go and abandon the need for the storm to end, for the storm to be over with. We, we, we can just sit out the storm and we can do so observing ourselves. So I'll give you an example. Um, obviously, the path that we've taken in life um, is not compatible with the uh, with the path of a Hungarian immigrant to Canada. So our our father, my father, my birth father, um, um, not happy with the path that we've chosen, especially when you know we were a, a child prodigy and showed so much potential, et cetera, et cetera. We could be, you know, we could be a very successful business person or scientist or doctor or lawyer or any, you know, any number of things, any number of uh, dreams that immigrant parents usually have for their children. Um, he doesn't, doesn't register with him, you know, the path of the Bodhisattva and how there's actually nothing more difficult and nothing more challenging and nothing more important than to help others. That doesn't that doesn't register in the same way with uh, with them. So um, this has been a source of conflict between myself and my father since the age of sixteen. Since I was sixteen, so that's over thirty years. And only recently, in recent years, have we been able to get to a place where. 
the conflict has has subsided and that began to happen when i abandoned my need to control my father and that might sound a little strange because it wasn't but surely your my your father was trying to control you trying to get you to do this trying to go go and get a job trying to do you know surely your father wanted to try to control you and get you to to do something other than what you were doing and it's true he was trying to do that and i in reaction to that was trying to get him to stop doing that and to stop wanting to do that because the fear inside of him and the desire to control the outcome of my life was merely an extension of the ego inside of him that desires to control the outcome of his own life and that was triggering the ego in me of fear the demon which wants to be in control not just of my own life but the circumstances around me and the people around me including my father his fear translating translated as control trying to control me that energy was coming this way triggering my fear which wanted to to uh, um, um, manifest as control and just as he was trying to control me I was trying to control him right back don't try to control me stop controlling me stop trying to control me so as soon as it when I started making uh, very very good uh, major inroads with my own demon of fear and letting go and letting God and letting go of my need to be in control of circumstances and outcomes and people I stopped trying to control my father he's gonna do he's gonna be what he's gonna be he's not gonna change anymore he's too old for that and he's set in his ways he's always gonna be that way and I accepted it and it's just it's just it's just his way and as soon as I stopped wanting him to be wanting him as soon as I stopped wanting him to accept me and accept my path and as soon as I stopped um, trying to control the fact that he controls me or he tries to control me as soon as I stopped trying to change that he he backed right off so in many ways <clears throat> as we overcame <clears throat> and we began to weaken the demon stranglehold over ourselves and our own lives our own fear as soon as we started to make major inroads conquering our own fear and getting getting a control and handle over our own fear and our own control issues needing to control outcomes and, and and the circumstances and people around us which was all fear based our my father's stopped trying to control me turns out that his fear isn't anywhere near as powerful as as the fear that 
that I was fighting with. He was reacting to, to my fear that was always constantly radiating out from me. So, the, so it was triggering in him the fear and the desire to control. That was coming from me. That was being caused by me. It wasn't coming from him. That was all, it was being triggered by the fear that was inside of me. This, is, this was one of the great revelations um, that I had um, and recognizing how so many people that um, have a, a, a bad reaction uh, to us. It's very often they're reacting to something inside of us. And so their reaction is a mirror. And so, and very much so I was, I was, I said, well, if I don't like my father trying to control me, why do I think it's okay for me to try to get him to stop? Because that's also another form of control. It was in the comprehension of all of this and the recognition that it takes two to tango. It takes two to wrestle. And in a tag team wrestling match, right? In, in a, this dynamics, this energetic dynamic that's happening beneath the surface, if we are not aware of this, then this is, this is not just um, running our life, it's ruining our life. It's completely ruining and it's screwing with us and it's screwing up our relationships, relationships with family, relationships with friends, relationships at work, and romantic and sexual relationships. And the reason why we're still single is because we made a vow to ourselves that, um, that the individual that we spend the rest of our life with will know this, will be aware of this. Or if they are shown it, they will see it and they will recognize it and they will, they will see that it's impossible that you meet somebody that you're always happy together with. I mean, you're, you're not perfect. And so long as you're not perfect, if you attract somebody into your life, they will share many, if not most, of the imperfections that you have. They might manifest themselves differently on the surface, but at their root, those egos will be the same and they will be resonating and they will be vibrating at the same frequencies so long as you have the chemistry. And the, so long as your sexual energy and their sexual energy are in synchronicity, those, those shared, that shared laundry list of egos are gonna be, are gonna be vibrating at the same frequencies. And that's going to be cause for tension, anxiety, and, 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 and suffering, and, and aggravation, and, and conflict, et cetera, et cetera. Because those egos are going to be wanting to tag team and divide and conquer and everything that we've been describing. And that many, many times, many, many times, we will 
watch our partner do something or they will say something or act towards us in a certain way and we will think that they are the instigators when in fact when in fact they might be reacting to this energetic activity that's happening beneath the surface and they're just reacting to that because that energy th those those egos are, are are conspiring and say okay you know what we haven't had a fight in a while we haven't had these two fight in a while so let's cause a fight so if you heard the term false flag operations or if you've ever seen the movie the princess bride and you know the character vizzini who uh, is who um is the um uh the short fellow with the annoying voice i can't remember the actor's name but vizzini who who is the one behind the uh kidnapping of buttercup and he, and he tells andre the giant and um and uh indigo he says we're, we're here to start a war we're going to take her and we're going to murder her on the frontier and when the when the when the prince finds her uh, uh her uh, betrothed dead on the frontier of gilda he's going to declare war on them and that's what we were hired to do See, our egos do exactly the same thing they're just they're they they do this scummy underhanded uh insidious plotting con conspiring beneath the surface so that so that they they get us on the surface to fight so they can siphon off our sexual energy that's a dynamic so um And again, we, we use the example with our father to prove that this is not exclusive to romantic relationships. And we specifically use that example with our father um, because, because we were the cause. We were the, we were the problem. Our ego, our fear, because you know, if you've, if you've been watching or if you've read our article on fear, you know that our fear is a full-blown demon. It's a very, very powerful. I mean, it's 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 behind epilepsy. We we suffer from epilepsy because of it, and and, and chronic depression because of it. So, when people react to us within from a place of fear and from a place of control, even if we are on the if, even if we on the surface are trying to be the kindest, most polite way. People will often react to us negatively simply because they have similar egos inside of them and they're being triggered just by the, our very presence because of the, the, the nature of what we carry inside of us. In fact, we experience with dogs. We experience this with dogs and animals all the time. Animals are interesting because, as you know, the animals have, um, and this is in all of us on, on our animal instinctive primal level, the flight or fight instinct and that's basically fear fear uh creates either a fight or a flight reaction and if i approach a dog for example and i'm trying to pet the dog or i want to pet the dog Right, so like, come here, come here. I'm wanting to pet you. Right, if that dog picks up that vibe, like I'm trying to control that dog and get it what to do, 
if that comes from a place of control or domination or whatever, you know, whatever, that's my fear. If that dog picks up that fear, it it will react by either turning tail and running away, or it'll get angry and it'll get it'll get it'll get aggressive, fight or flight, right? It'll, it'll bark, it'll do whatever, because it it's picking up that 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 negative vibe, that that desire to control, that desire to you know come over here, I want to pet you, because it's it's a desire, it's ego. So this interactivity, whether it's people or animals or, or you know, this in, these interactions, these relationships are precious opportunities for us to learn more about ourselves. Now, it's not always the case that just because somebody reacts with ego to us, then it must be that we, would, we were in a place of ego. That's not that's not always the case, certainly, because, as you know, there is a phenomenon known as uh, shooting the messenger, and you know that people can't handle the truth. People hate the truth. The ego mind hates the truth. So you could be in, coming from a place of love and speaking the truth, and that person still react in ego. So let's not let's not kid ourselves. Let's not let, let's not and let's not be too hard on ourselves. So, for example, if you're trying to help somebody who's um, suffering and you're coming to from a place of love and compassion and you really you're not trying to control them you're trying to help them you're trying to help get them out of it but and they still react to you with uh, with um, with anger with uh, suspicion with frustration or they say you know they, they come at you with stop trying to control me or whatever I mean it it doesn't that that in and of itself doesn't prove anything it doesn't prove that you are in a place of ego um, but you should always be an observation of yourself. And if you know you're coming from a place of love, that's one thing. But if you just think that you're right and you think and you're being in a kind of proud, self-righteous kind of way and you only think that you're right, you think what you're doing, what's best for them. I'm trying to do what do what's best for you. And if you're... you. And they're reacting with, you know, don't don't try to control me. Because I can we can tell you that that our our father certainly believes that he's coming from a place of love. He is coming from a place of love, but that love is being filtered through his fear and through his desire to control because he's a control freak. And this is another this is another layer of complexity in all of this, where the best of intentions. If they're filtered through the ego, the intention doesn't matter anymore. If it's filtered through your ego and what comes out and what happens and what comes out is ego or it's ego filtered, then it's ego. And if the result is negative, it doesn't matter what your original intention was. It came out, it was filtered through ego it, and, and it, and it uh, manifested through wrong action and it created negative results. That's going to produce negative karma for you because it's the end result was negative. And that's why that we have that expression, the, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. That's where that expression comes from. 
and this this might seem like all of this might seem like we're getting off topic but it, we're not getting off topic we're absolutely on topic because everything that we've discussed up until now talking about egos with regards to ourselves and how clever and insidious and they can be and how um, um, conspiring and how they hide in the shadows and how they use illusion and delusion to confuse us and conflate us and to keep us focused on the outside and on the other and blaming and victimhood and all this stuff all that complexity and all of that 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 game that wrestling match that we have with our own egos just by ourselves without anybody else around all of that immediately multiplies immediately doubles but not just doubles but trebles and quadruples because of the various different dynamics that we were describing because two people and two egos are four entities and the way and the interrelationships between how those four entities can interrelate because you can have one-on-one -on -one and one-on-one -on -one. you can have two-on-two -two and two-on-two you can have three on one and three on one. It's this is the game and this is the wrestling match. And if you are in a relationship and this is the spiritual journey, this is the spiritual path, overcoming, defeating, cleansing ourselves of our own egos and recouping recapturing our the consciousness which was trapped inside of them and integrating the knowledge that we needed to gain through the process through the wrestling match with them with our with our egos this is the spiritual journey because the awakening of consciousness the consciousness is is a process of elimination of the ego because the reason why the consciousness is sleeping is because it's bottled up inside of ego so you can't have awakening of consciousness and and spiritual advancement unless you're working on the ego because if you awaken while you if you awaken inside of ego then you awaken as a black magician or a, a, a bona fide demon you awaken negatively you awaken the egos inside of you and they become not they're no longer just mechanical uh, uh programs that are just running their programs they become like entities as they exist in the matrix they become like the merovingian and the other programs who who become awake like like agent smith who who unplugs from the system and, and develops free will and all of a sudden and if you and if you have and if you are here and have previously awakened or you awaken your consciousness consciousness 50 percent um, awaken consciousness and 50% awake through uh, in uh, in ego you become what uh, uh, Gurdjieff referred to as a Hanasmason or someone who has a dual center of gravity who is simultaneously a, uh, a, uh, a Buddha and a demon and this is the worst the worst kind of, 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 of state to be in because you you ping pong back and forth between having these these uh, these th these conscious awareness and love and and empathy and 
and it, into having complete indifference and tolerance and um, and selfishness and and you and you, at that point you really truly are kind of a split personality and um, I mean to to one degree or another we are all like this to one degree or another because one moment we can be in our heart center we can be altruistic and the next moment we can be consumed by one of our egos and possessed by one of our egos and be angry and frustrated and, and of course in relationships that's in relationships this becomes most clear to us in relationships because it's in romantic relationships especially that you can go you can turn on a dime from being at each other's throats to being in each other's beds and like that right and that that can happen like just like that and it's this dynamic that we have to understand and comprehend we have to be able to see it we have to begin looking for it and we have to begin seeing it watching it operate inside of us and watching it operate dynamically in our interrelationships with others especially in our interrelationships with our romantic partner because um this is by far and away um the greatest cause of people's suffering in life um, when their relationships break down or when they're in dysfunctional relationships toxic relationships um, and as we said it takes two to it takes two to tango it takes two to wrestle rarely is it rarely is it that you will find yourself in a relationship where it's all just completely one-sided it's just the other person's fault that's the hard truth if you keep for example there are women who who always find themselves uh, in abusive relationships and they attract men into their lives that take advantage of them that abuse them um, that treat them poorly and they they seem to do this over and over and over and over again um, this is a warning sign and this is a cause for these women to take a long hard look at themselves what is it about you that needs to change so you can stop attracting these mirrors into your life because mirrors are a funny thing metaphysical mirrors are a funny thing because remember every ego is identical to its apparent opposite it's the same ego remember we've talked about pride and shame and how pride and shame are the same ego so the narcissist and the addict so the narcissist who is who is self-obsessed and and trying to build themselves up into something greater than what they are and trying to present themselves as something greater than they are is identical to the person who's trying to kill it who's trying to slowly kill themselves 
with, uh, with heroin, the self-loathing and the self-flagellation, the, the self-destruction. It's, it's, it's the same, it's the same thing because the, the, the addict, the heroin addict can only destroy the false self that way. The vessel, the, the mind, the, the personality can only run that into the ground with, um, with self-destruction, right? It's this, it's this destruction of the false self. But that same, that, that's, that shame, that self-loathing is actually pride because that same pride it, through the narcissist is trying to build up the false self. Because remember, pride can only build up the false self because we're talking about illusions. Uh, we're talking about egos here and egos realm is the realm of illusion and delusion. They can only work in the realm of illusions. So pride either creates too much self-love, that's too much love of the false self, or self or, or, or exorbitant amounts of self-loathing. But again, it's loathing of the false self. That's that's all pride. Those two extremes. So if a woman is attracting someone into their life that's, that's continually abusing her, taking advantage of her, treating her badly, treating her poorly, what sort of ego is it that's inside of a man like overwhelmingly dominate and, and take advantage of and overpower and, and, and take advantage of? So what, what ego might that be inside of the man that 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 makes him want to do that well if it's control and domination the ego is fear that's fight right and it's also pride because he's building himself up he wants to be the dominating one he wants to be the alpha male right and he wants to prove that he's stronger and prove that he's better and he's going to do that by diminishing and running down his partner he's going to make the woman um feel like she's less worthy or less important than he is so that's also pride so it's it's fear and pride working together to get this control and this dominance and i'm the alpha and you're going to do what i tell you and blah 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 right but coming what what we just said about pride and shame so a woman who who has the opposite of that narcissistic overblown sense of self has a pessimistic shameful self-loathing type of uh, sense of of low self-worth and she's afraid she's afraid of being alone she's afraid that she's not good enough she's afraid of not being wanted because again she has that low that self-loathing that low self-worth that low self-esteem So she attracts a partner, a man, that has the same fear and the same low self-esteem or the same pride, the same esteem issues. And that man is going to, is going to that pride is going to express itself in this way, in the, in the dominating way, in the control and the dominance pride narcissistic way as much and on the same level that it's expressing itself as the uh, low self-esteem and the fear 
uh, uh, way inside of the woman. And that's why there are women who always attract uh, um, abusive, abusive men, and they can't escape the cycle of abusive relationships because they have too much pride. Now, psychologists might even get as far as understanding the low self-esteem part, and they, they choose men strong men to dominate them because they have low self-esteem. They might even get that far, but that's where they stop. None of them make the connection that energetically what's happening is that the man, the dominant partner, and the submissive partner are suffering from exactly the same thing, exactly the same thing, which is pride. Because where these two extremes are, they meet in the middle, and that's pride. It's just pride expressing itself in, in its with its two faces it's it's it, in two different ways or it's fear and pride and fear expressing themselves in these ways and and in that relationship but it's pride so when we have an interrelationship with someone this is a mirror that dominant overbearing overpowering abusive man is mirroring the submissive, low self-esteem, weak, fearful woman. Exactly. And he's mirroring her exactly in the same way that the yin and yang mirror one another exactly, except that they're opposites. They just happen to be opposites. But the law of opposites works in this way. That's why it's important to understand the law of opposites. That's why it's important to understand that fear uh, that uh, that fear is fight or flight. It's both fear. That's why they say, don't run away from a bear. Why don't you run away from a bear? Because if you're terrified and you're running away from a bear, guess what that's going to trigger in the bear? It's fear. That bear is going to become terrified. The more terrified you are, and you're going to signal that, physically express that, manifest that, and you're running away. Well, guess what? I've never met a bear who suffers from the flight instinct. Bears suffer from the fight instinct. When they're afraid, they fight. Mama bears, if you screw with their babies, if you screw with their cubs, mama bear is going to show you what, how she manifests fear. She's going to tear you limb from limb, that mama bear. That's where women get that by the way, that, that defending of the young, that mama bear, that's why we call them mama bear. But that's fear. It's fear that makes mama bear tear you limb from limb. It's fear. So we have to understand that in our relationships with our partner, that, that their behavior may appear to be opposite, the polar opposite of us. And maybe maybe doing and that's why they say you know opposites attract. The reason why opposites attract is because many times those opposites happen to be exactly the same bloody ego, just expressing itself in opposite ways. So someone is an outgoing, uh, 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 um, gregarious, outgoing, um, you know, individual might 
might find themselves with someone who's very shy and mousy. Right? And they're both expressing the same energy. Just one's, one's an extrovert and one's an introvert. But the energy is just, just, they're the opposites, but they can be exactly the same polarity and exactly the same frequency. And they can, they can fit like a hand in a glove because of that. Even though on the surface, they might appear to be opposites. So the, the, that's important to, to understand about this, this people who are a mirror to us. The other thing, of course, is to um, if you find yourself in a situation where you're with someone and you're um, you are identifying and you are uh, not identifying, if you're recognizing what's happening, the how you're triggering one another and you're you can see that ego inside of your partner expressing itself. Um, this is where it becomes challenging if you haven't had this conversation with your partner. If your partner is not on the same page about revolutionary psychology, about, about the alm of life, the analogous ultimate methodology and, and, and you know, comprehension of egos, observing egos, mindfulness, comprehension of egos. If you try to explain to your partner why it is that we keep triggering each other, we keep having this fight, we keep having this conflict. If they don't see it, if they're incapable of seeing it, then um, you may you may find yourself in a situation that, that I've been in several times with partners where what they say is stop projecting onto me. You know, stop, stop, you're just projecting onto me your own problems, right? It's all you. It's, it's, it's all you. You're, you're just, you're just projecting onto me what's inside of you. This is a, um, um, this is not, um, this is a phenomenon which can take place, but certainly in my experience, I've never projected onto anybody, um, you know, anything that, that I was, um, I, I don't do that. There are, we imagine some people who do that, but the reality is, is that in a romantic relationship that where there's a lot of chemistry and a lot of things, the dynamic is there's no, there's no, there's nothing to project because that person already is, is a mirror to you. And saying to them, you're, you're projecting onto me is just, um, is uh, just an avoidance. Now, having said that, people love using that expression to, um, to, um, it's, you know what, that expression, it's like when we were in elementary school, and uh, you would say to somebody, um, you know, you're not being very nice, or you're you're being unkind, or don't be, you know, don't you're, you're being stupid. And they're like, I know you are, but what am I? Right? That's that's what don't project onto me is. 
That's what saying don't project onto me is. That's just somebody like from elementary school saying, I know you are, but what am I? It's just a denial. It's just a, it's just a way of turning it back around and making it a passive aggressive uh, toxic thing and throwing it back in your face. So, and you may, you will run into that. You will run into that. If you're trying to be constructive and you're trying to say, look, you know, obviously there's a problem. Obviously we have some kind of issue here and let's work together to, 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 to discover what that is and, and, and how we can work on it or at least be aware of it. If the other person wants to be in denial of that and they throw it back in your face and say, and, but you know, you know that it's not only you. Because if it was only you, guess what? They wouldn't get mad. If it was only you, there would be no conflict. If someone gets angry at you, it's automatically them. Automatically. The anger has to exist inside of them. You can't put your anger into them to make them angry. You can't put your fear into them to make them afraid. They have to have that fear in them already. They can't catch your fear. That's not how that works. So if you say something, if you say something or do something and make them angry, and you say, oh, okay, see, like, you know, you're, you're acting out of fear now. I said something out of fear, and now you're re reacting with fear. And they say, no, you're projecting onto me. You know it's bullshit because they wouldn't have reacted to you in the first place if you were projecting onto you because you can't project onto you and actually create a reaction in them. So, um, if you find yourself in a situation where you're angry and you're reacting and someone says, you know, you're reacting out of whatever and, you, and your reaction to that is, oh, they're projecting onto me, you have to be aware of this. You have to you have to watch yourself, observe yourself. Takes two to tango. Takes two to wrestle. And in a relationship, it's very rarely is it just one sided. Very rarely. Even in the we gave that example. Even in that example of uh, of abusive relationships. It's not an excuse. We're not here to excuse anything and excuse behavior and excuse bad behavior. Like certainly if someone beats beats up their partner, saying that their partner is submissive is not an excuse to beat them up. That's that's not what this is about. That's not what we're 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 saying here. It's not it's not a justification for that. But what we are saying is that there's a reason why if that's a repeating pattern in someone's life that they they need to look within because until they deal with the the issue inside they're going to keep life is going to keep bringing them the same lessons over and over and over again and those lessons are going to come in the form of people partners co-workers etc cetera, etc cetera, friends etc cetera, etc cetera. <clears throat> This uh, issue around acceptance and uh, being with a partner that sees eye to eye with you on this point um, is an absolute necessity if you are on the spiritual path. And the reason is because 
<clears throat> a sexual partner, a spouse. And by the way, we're going to use the term spouse here, uh, understanding that spouse has nothing to do with religions or churches or ceremonies or rings or diamonds or or weddings or any of that or or taxes or any of that nonsense uh, spouse refers to your monogamous sexual partner is your spouse that's your spouse in the eyes of the universe in the eyes of karma when you enter into a monogamous sexual relationship with someone they are your spouse period if you're having casual sex with lots of different partners if you're having you know um uh polyamorous whatever if you're doing whatever uh then you know it is what it is they're not your spouse or they're your spouse for a night or you're trying to have relationship with multiple spouses in the eyes of the universe and you're accruing karma uh, according to that because um, be, there, there's a reason why every religion and every spiritual tradition and every mythology and every temple and shrine everywhere in the world uh, especially from the ancient world especially in the East in India in uh, um, the Hindu tradition etc um, seems obsessed with sex and the reason why religion appears to be obsessed with sex is because sex is sacred and it always has been and it always should be and uh, and no there's no excuse and no there's no rationalizing that because if sex isn't sacred it's animal and it's uh, detrimental so to be in a relationship with someone is very important on the path and it's all about the transmutation of energy and it's all about um, liberating the consciousness from our egos and so the that process of transmutation of alchemy with couples is sexual alchemy and that sexual alchemy is about taking the sexual force and transmuting it and transforming it into the Christ And the process by doing that happens each and every day of our lives, regardless of whether or not we spend any time in the bedroom. The dynamic that we're describing and, uh, and, and, and visually depicting here, when we say that our egos screw with us, our egos fornicate with us. They get us to expel the sexual force. They get us for the sexual force to flow down and out. And they do that whether it's fear, 
pride, greed, gluttony, envy, all of these egos fornicate with us metaphysically. And they get that energy to flow down and out. Down meaning the energy becomes um, lower in vibration and out in that it's wasted. It's expelled. And tension and anxiety and, and depression and anger and frustration and all of these, 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 these modalities that we have are all burning off energy and it's it's the energy gets polarized negatively and then it gets it gets expelled and then we have to have for example coping mechanisms right so our partner frustrates us gets on our nerves and then we have to go for a mountain bike ride or we go for a run or we go to the gym and we punch the punching bag for half an hour and we get it out of our system all this negative anger energy blah, blah, blah. Right, so this is this is what our egos are trying to do to us in in a relationship. Um, and as we said, <laughs> if it's not if it's not a raging grease fire in the kitchen, then it sparks in the bedroom, because of course the other way that our egos, specifically lust, tries to get us to uh, lower, tries to get the energy to flow down and out is through actual physical fornication through through the orgasm for the sexual energy to flow down and out and uh, there's no avoiding this topic we don't want necessarily to um well i mean it's 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 important it, it's it is the ultimate um manifestation of desire is uh lust and the desire for uh the orgasm the, the the desire to fornicate and that process working with the sexual energy on that level because the sexual energy is the energy that we have it's the power of creation it's the energy that has the power to create. And when we fornicate or when we masturbate, when we expel the sexual force through the act of orgasm, whether we're men or women, it doesn't matter, makes no difference. The sexual, that sexual energy is creating more desire, more egos inside of us. Specifically, lust and lust is the mother of all the egos because every ego can be described using the using the word lust lust for fame lust for fortune lust for food lust for comfort and security lust for right it's everything everything is a desire and lust is the mother of all desires mother of all cravings and aversions and just think about that when you go to the you when you go to a beach doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman when you go to a beach and you're looking at everybody in their swimsuit right away almost immediately your eyes are directed at those who are um, uh, attractive to you and those who are not those who are repulsive to you 
and you would say, oh, wow, that, that person's really attractive. That person's really hot. That person's really good looking. And oh my God, that person's so gross or that person's so fat or that person's so ugly, right? Craving an aversion. And we all do it. We all do it to one degree or another, subconsciously or consciously. When we go to a beach or we go anywhere, we're people watching. We're not, not necessarily judging them per se. We're not saying, oh, that person's, you know, a bad person because they look like that. No, we're just saying, oh, but that's, that's, you know, like, yeah, that person, this person's attractive to me. That person is not attractive to me. It's just an automatic program that runs. It's our lust. And it's always running. It's always running that program of craving and aversion, craving and aversion. And maybe you get this if you go to uh, the grocery store or you go to a fish market or you go, I don't know, you go to a buffet and there's the foods that you like and the foods that you don't like. Or you go, you go shopping for clothes. There's the clothes that you like and the clothes that you don't like. And it always seems to be, and then the, everything else you're just indifferent to. You just ignore for the most part. But this is that, that binary, that dialectic sort of thing. It all stems from this relationship with lust, that craving and aversion. And the opposite of having that energy flow down and out is, of course, to have it flow up and in. Because if, you, if the creative energy that we have, it can be used in one of three ways. Through the orgasm, we can create more desire, more lust. Through fornication that leads to fertilization in our uh, sexual partner, in the woman, then it can lead to the birth of a child. That's We can create another intellectual animal by fornicating like animals. We can create another animal. And, call, and mistakenly call it a human being. But the third way that we can use the sexual energy is to have it flow up and in and create the solar bodies, to transmute our lust into love and create the solar bodies, uh, which, is our, which is the human soul. And uh, to, to do so is known as white tantra or sexual alchemy. But that alchemy that takes place in the bedchamber through sacred sexuality, through white tantra. And we say white tantra because it's sex without orgasm, sex without fornication, scientific chastity. Chastity does not mean abstention from sex. The word chastity was deliberately misconstrued and uh, de degenerated by the Black Lodge so that so that the truth about sexuality could remain hidden for countless centuries. And the truth about sexual alchemy had to go underground. Uh, behind us, so for example, behind us, we'll move this over here and then we'll go over here. Uh, you see the man and the woman uh, holding the Holy Grail. Because the Holy Grail is uh, sexual alchemy. If you think about what a grail is, what it looks like, it's a cup that that's that's on a that's on a that's on a very phallic symbol base. 
it's a phallus and it's a uterus and behind this grail you see the star of david which is the the, the blade right the, the the phallus and the cup the uh, the uterus and um we have to recognize that white tantra between a couple where there's a great deal of chemistry and there's a great deal of attraction there's a great deal of lust um and that lust is going to want um us to fornicate what will want us to to reach orgasm and have so-called great sex in the um in the in the contemporary degenerated meaning of that word but the greater the chemistry and the greater the attraction and the deeper the love the, the deeper the soul bond that we have with an individual the greater the opportunity we have to transmute that sexual energy that sexual force into into our solar bodies and what's more important the greater the desire that's within us the greater the lust and gr the greater the fear the greater the 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 envy or the gluttony or the laziness or any of the other egos that we share with our partner because we have that strong chemistry if we work together as a team in this in in this uh, uh, and practice this together where the storm is the conflict between us and we see ourselves as one unit as one vessel man and woman joined at the hip man and the woman uh, united and, it, and we are the vessel, but we, we step outside of that, of our vessel. And we, we put ourselves in the lighthouse. We are the keepers of the light. We shine the light together on our vessel in the middle of the storm. In the middle of the storm. In the middle of the conflict. In the middle of the frustration. In the middle of the fight. We stop and we observe and we say, look 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 what's churning our waters look what's blowing the wind look what's causing the tempest between us do you see it say yeah i see that i see it would you feel it yes i feel that and say remember we're together in the lighthouse and we're the keepers of the light we're shining the light on that which is trying to tear us apart with that which is trying to sink our boat And what and it's trying to the the that's trying to crash the boat the vessel on the rocks on the rocky shore and the light of the lighthouse is there to guide the vessel safely past the rocks and into into port
if we can learn to do this individually, that's of course absolutely necessary. But if we want to be spiritual, if we, if we want to be able to step outside and observe our egos, the causes of our suffering, comprehend those causes and be liberated from those causes of suffering. But just as it's required as individuals, this, this relationship, this, this dynamic um, we, we have to choose this over this in relationships because this this will not fly this is not a spiritual relationship and as you can see the heart of it is fornication the heart of it is egos screwing with us egos fornicating with us egos having their way with us we cannot be in a spiritual relationship with someone if we're if we are allowing our lust to physically manifest in the physical world what all of our egos are doing to us internally it's just not possible you can forget anything and everything anybody has ever told you about spiritual sexuality and and how the orgasm is this this or that spiritual wonderful thing it's all lies you cannot free yourself and eliminate egos from your psyche while you are fornicating it is impossible Because the act of fornication creates more egos and strengthens the egos we already have. You can maybe free yourself from this or that problem or think you freed yourself from it. But you may be creating a whole new version of it just through fornicating. Because that's, that's what fornication does. That's what lust does. Lust creates more desire. And every ego is, is uh, expressed as desire, craving and aversion. So there's no such thing as spiritual orgasm unless you're a black magician. Unless you want to awaken as a black magician and a bona fide demon. Well, but then do all the black tantra you want because that's what's going to happen. You're going you're gonna to create a black magician out of yourself and eventually you'll become an awakened demon. Because that's what black tantra is, and that's why that's what that's why uh, the new age teaches black tantra. Because the new age is a creation of the black lodge, and it's a trap. It's just this this this, this horrendously uh, um, it's this horrendously uh, 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 enticing, attractive. Uh, you know what's the word? Addictive trap. But all egos, all egos are like that. All egos are going to convince us that we can't live without them. In fact, one of the great arguments that we've heard about uh, against white Tantra is um, that, well, how are you supposed to have children? How can you have children 
if you don't if you don't orgasm if you if the man doesn't spill the seed how 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 are you going to have children well um i happen to have a cousin that lives in hungary and uh she and her husband are hardened catholics they fervently believe in the catholic uh dogma the catholic the catholic teachings and so they don't use birth control um they're the catholic church doesn't condone birth control and they're traditional catholics so they use what the church has always prescribed as the only form of birth control that the catholic church condoned traditionally and that was the so-called pull-out method of birth control now the pull-out method of birth control is of course designed to for the man to withdraw just before he has an orgasm in order to prevent um, a pregnancy now most sex therapists and so on will tell you sex sexologists i guess whatever they're called will tell you that this is not a very um effective form of birth control and you know my cousin would have to agree with them because she and her husband have seven children seven seven times she's gotten pregnant and each and every time it's been essentially by accident but they don't see it as by accident of course they see it as divine intervention and they see it as a divine uh divine pregnancy and a divine birth because they were using birth control they were pulling out so the point here is how many sperm does it take to fertilize an egg one or 10 billion right and the answer is clear and no sexologist anywhere will tell you to use the pull-out method of birth control uh, as a reliable form of birth control because this is what is this is what is actually referred to as immaculate conception by the way even now in, in christian circles and catholic circles they refer to immaculate conception is a couple that's practicing the pull-out method of birth control and they still have they still it still results in a pregnancy if it results in a pregnancy then it was meant to be and god selected the sperm to <clears throat> fertilize the egg so is it possible to practice white tantra and not orgasm at all but still still have a pregnancy absolutely it is ask my cousin who has seven children ask any sex therapist or sexologist that'll tell you that absolutely you can uh, a woman can get pregnant even if the man doesn't uh, ejaculate inside of her absolutely it's pos possible because it only it only requires one sperm to make the journey and in fact if the world did follow 
if, if the entire world practiced white Tantra, again, using, using my uh, cousin in Hungary uh, as just one case study, but there are many Catholics all over the world that have six or seven children in their household, all of them practicing the pull-out method of birth control. My cousin is not an outlier. She's not a, uh, uh, her family does not represent some sort of statistical anomaly. Because you go to Africa, you go to many Ethiopia and many other places in Africa where they have, or many other places around the world where uh, in lower, um, lower income areas where they fervently, they're fervently Catholic and they fer fervently follow uh, the Catholic Church's teachings. They practice that method of sexuality. There's no shortage of children. In any case, we wanted to uh, to just spend some time um, talking about how in relationships the the root cause of everything that goes on in a relationship it has nothing to do with the physical world all of that is just an expression and a manifestation of energy which is seeking its complement and and longing to achieve its true nature its its higher nature in other words, energy which is trying to be transmuted from a lower vibration to a higher vibration, from a lower manifestation into a higher manifestation. That process cannot take place through the act of fornication. It cannot take place through the act of fornication in the kitchen. When our egos are fornicating with us, when our egos are ganging up on us and wrestling with us and, and tag teaming us, with between us and our partner and it likewise cannot happen in the bedroom if we are giving into lust and we are feeding our lust with fornication and and uh, orgasm through the orgasm feeding our lust if we are doing that if we then if we are allowing those two those two things to take place if we are allowing our egos to feed on our sexual energy and we are and we are remaining identified and um, and attached to our desires then we are trapped and we are trapped in this level at this level and we will remain trapped at this level there's no um, you can't keep eating the prison cafeteria food and escape from the prison you can't free yourself from the prison if you're going back every day to eat the cafeteria food and to sleep in your cell at night but during the day you're out there and you you, you think of yourself as free but every night you come back to eat the cafeteria food and sleep in the cell this these two things are incompatible right you can't you can't be free of the prison but then still have 
but but then still long for and desire the comfort and security of the prison. Like if you've seen the Shawshank Redemption, um, take take note of the characters of. Um, Oh, we're just drawing a blank now. Um, <laughs> the character of Brooks. He's the one who gets the uh, parole. And then he goes out into the halfway house. And, uh, and uh, Red is the one who uh, points out how he's been institutionalized. When he gets when he gets his parole, he threatens to to uh, kill one of the other inmates, and uh, and when people and then Andy is trying to figure out what's going on there, and I'm just trying to figure out what's going on there. Brooks is a good man. Why why did he fall off his rocker? And uh, and Red says because he's institutionalized. This is all he knows. He spent a lifetime in here. And sure enough, when Brooks gets out into the real world and gets into the halfway house and everything, he can't take it and he, he hangs himself. Because he a part of him, an institutionalized means that, that a part of you is still in that prison and longs for that prison and desires the comfort and safety and security that, that was in that prison. And we all suffer from this to a degree we're all institutionalized to a degree in our own false self this false self that we have grown accustomed to and conditioned to and comfortable with and these egos and these desires and these habits that we have and these behaviors and things that we are attached to that we identify with this dynamic that you see here um and the fornication that takes place internally and externally with our partner keeps us stuck in that prison. But if we can start practicing this dynamic and recognize that that's just a vessel, that's just a boat, that's not who we really are. We are the light, we are, we are the keepers of the light. We have the power, the free will, to direct our attention, to direct our consciousness, the free consciousness that we have. And that these storms around us are here to assist us and encourage us to embrace this dynamic where we are the keepers of the light. And we shine the light on our vessel amidst the storms. To remind us that we don't have to be in the vessel we can we can we can be in the lighthouse on solid ground and we can guide with the light with the power and the strength of the light we can guide that vessel through the stormy waters past the rocks so it doesn't have to crash on the rocks and into the shore this analogy then works not just in the middle of an argument not just one-on-one -on -one personally 
just not not just individually by ourselves and not just in an argument in the kitchen with our loved one with our spouse but also in the bedroom during the act of lovemaking where the waters are being churned the and the electricity the lightning the sparks are flying and the fires are burning and the, the water is boiling and all of these analogies that we can use um, during the act of sex that's leading towards what many people feel is inevitable and what medical science tells us is healthy but the light and the keepers of the light can shine the truth on the matter and say we can transmute and we can have that energy flow up and in and the vessel the cup the vessel the grail we can with our partner carry it and hold it together like this and not spill what's inside because if we spill what's inside we are spilling the blood of Christ and why would why would we say that well because the grail is the cup that holds the blood which flowed from Christ on the cross literally it's also the cup that he served the wine at the Last Supper with and he said this is my blood blood of the new and everlasting covenant it will be shed for you and for all so that sins may be forgiven do this in memory of me the sexual energy which is inside the cup which which is managed and held and carried by both the man and the woman um, that cup That grail is the sexual force, the sexual energy. And the blood of Christ, it's the blood of Christ because the sexual energy is what can be transmuted within us into our solar bodies, which is the vessel which that is able to actually um, embody the Christ. So our bodies, our physical body, our astral, our uh, vital body, our astral body, our mental body, if they are lunar and our causal body, they are lunar, then they are governed by egos and they are governed by mechanicity. But if we are able to conquer and transmute the sexual force, uh, the, the conquer our lust and transmute the sexual force from lust into love we raise it up the spinal column the kundalini and the kundalini reaches the crown chakra where the fires of the divine feminine unite with the fires of the divine masculine and give rise to the fire of the fires and the light of lights of the cosmic Christ and our we we create um, 
our uh, we create our solar bodies. Uh, Neil Neil said, please save and upload this live. This will be uh, this is every live uh, talk that we give is always saved to uh, YouTube. It's it remains on Facebook for as long as it remains on Facebook as well. So um, yeah, it's you can you will be able to access it on YouTube uh, through our um, uh, Atlas Live archives as well. The truth about sex and relationships then is that the yin and the yang, positive and negative, the affirming and negating are the masculine and feminine force. And even though we all have both masculine and feminine inside of us, we have Ida and Pingala inside of us, we have the Tao inside of us. To be able to express it and wrestle and dance. When we talk about um, wrestling with our egos is one thing, and we talk about tag teaming and wrestling with our partner and wrestling together with them as a team against our egos in a tag team way is one thing. But with our actual partner, we don't wrestle with them because they're not our opponent. They are our partner. And with a partner, you dance. And the beauty of dancing and the tragedy that dancing has been eradicated from the from our culture almost entirely and replaced with gyrating and jumping up and down and bumping and grinding to horrendous music the beauty of dancing is this 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 movement and harmony and 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 this synergy and this just this beautiful interaction in space and in time that frankly is out of time because if you've ever danced with someone that you are deeply in love with you know that time disappears you know that you can get on a dance floor and before you know what's happened the band is the band has stopped playing and they're packing up their instruments and they're turning on the house lights and you look at each other and you go what what just happened because it seemed like you just danced one song together but it turns out you danced four hours time vanishes when you are dancing and when you are making love, making love now, not having sex, not screwing, but making love, not following what they do in pornography, but making love, and making love, literally making love, literally making love. What's, what's literally making love? Because having sex is having sex, right? But having sex and not fornicating Having sex and transmuting the sexual force is literally making love. Transmuting lust into love. Well, what, but, but how is that? 
Well, we just we discussed the Divine Mother Kundalini. Her energies are awakened during the sexual act. This whole thing about Kundalini awakening and all that nonsense. Forget about all that. Forget about all that. It's not the Kundalini awakens and stays awakened for the rest of your life. That's nonsense. That's not how that works. The Kundalini is a sexual force. It's awakened, then it goes back to sleep. And it's awakened, it goes back to sleep. And it's awakened, it goes back to sleep. And it's awakened, it's put into activation when you are in the act of making love. Because it's rising up the spinal column, it's illuminating all the chakras, and it's meeting with her husband, the Holy Spirit, in the crown chakra. And the fires of the divine feminine unite with the fires of the divine masculine to give rise to the fire of the fires and the light of lights of the divine androgen. The union of masculine and feminine, which is the Christ. Because the Christ is the divine androgen. All the angels are androgynous. The Christ is androgynous. It is the perfected Tao. It is the complete Tao. The Tao in us is incomplete. We have too much of the darkness. And the light is bottled up too much inside that darkness. And we have to bring it back into balance. We have to, you know, and in us, we're 99%, between 97 and 99% ego on average. So we have a lot of light bottled up. We have a, a lot of light bottled up inside of the darkness. And very, very, very little free consciousness, free light to work with. And so making love is a literal, scientific, metaphysical act. And you know, you, you know, you've, if you've watched anything, if you watch any Hollywood movies, if you watch any pornography, you know that making love is not what's promoted. What we're talking about is, 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 uh, is not encouraged. It's the opposite. Uh, making lust, making desire, because the Black Lodge has that uh, goal, right, to keep everybody enslaved and to basically screw with us, right? Corporations screw with us, company, um, governments screw with us, and our egos screw with us, and they screw with our relationships. We may do another um, stream talking about specifically about the act of White Tantra itself. Um, there are other resources available which we can make available to you. But this, we can't talk about spirituality and relationships without bringing this topic up because of the fact that of that dynamic and the fact that those those egos are are triggering one another and they're working and tag teaming uh, against us in order to to get us to waste that energy for that energy to flow down and out. 
and the sexual act if the sexual act remains lustful and the sexual act ends in fornication sexual sexual act is creating more egos and the sexual energy is flowing down and out in the bedroom then it's going to be flowing down and out in the kitchen and that's why so many couples they get married they have their honeymoon and everything's going swimmingly because they're used to they're in, they're still euphoric and they're caught up in the euphoria and everything is new and exciting and they're in love and etc but then the euphoria wears off the infatuation fares uh, wears off the the uh the the novelty of it all wears off and things start going downhill and downhill and downhill and downhill and they don't know why and they go to couples therapy and they do this and they do that and they but they just don't know why. he just keeps getting on my nerves and this and that and the other thing and it's just one thing after another after another and then lo and behold they're breaking up they're getting they're getting sep trial separation or they're getting divorced the fact is that uh, one of the reasons why this is happening to them is because they were fornicating the entire time and they were creating all those little quirks and all their and they're not work they haven't been working positively as a team working on their egos So being in a relationship where you have these conflicts and you're working together to resolve them, you're working together to comprehend them, you're practicing, um, you know, what we call the, uh, the the lighthouse here. And then you're also practicing this in the bedroom and you're transmuting the sexual force. You're not wasting it. You're not, you're, you're, you're conditioning yourself for that energy to flow up and in and not down and out then as opposed to the couple that's attuning themselves and conditioning their marriage to be a factory for energy to flow down and out and a factory for creating more ego you'll be in a marriage um, which is consciously having the energy flow up and in create and creating solar bodies and eliminating ego, ego comprehending ego and eliminating ego because this is the other secret of white tantra um, and awakening and working with the Divine Mother Kundalini in a positive way through transmutation through white Tantra is that the Divine Mother Kundalini is the only force in the universe that has the power to eliminate egos because the sexual force is the feminine force and it's, it is the fire it is the and the Phoenix that that is devoured in the fire gives rise to the phoenix that comes out of the ashes so the phoenix which comes out of the ashes is the phoenix of the christ but it's consumed in the fires of divine mother kundalini and the ashes that are left behind are those egos 
and it's the phoenix of of the 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 fire of the christ which can arise out of those egos but it's consumed first in the fires of divine mother kundalini so some egos you can eliminate on your own uh through through the help of your uh uh divine mother without without white tantra without having a sexual partner you can go you can get very far on the path as a single person as a bachelor or a bachelorette but there are some egos um that are just too too uh powerful they're too well established they're too dug in they're too strong to be eliminated uh without the divine mother being in full activation fully awake and that activation only takes place during white tantra when she is flowing up and in and uniting with her husband the uh, the holy spirit and combined with that power they're giving birth to the solar bodies but with that energy that fire they're also able that awakened enlightened fire they're also able to eliminate the more potent and more powerful egos but only those egos that we've previously comprehended and that comprehension um very often because of our partner because they're a mirror to us that comprehension of how our egos causes us enough other suffering is heightened and made more possible through the interactions through the, the dynamic that we were describing since the beginning of this live stream which is how the egos trigger each other and how uh how we can be living with something that uh that's a chronic uh ego that we've been living with our entire life and has been ruling our lives for for decades and it is only when we see that ego acting out um that a dynamic with and through another individual that we begin to fully appreciate and fully comprehend how it's functioning with inside of us and how it is using others to to create suffering and and to uh, um, um, enslave us and enslave them because it's activating the the uh, associated ego inside of them and we've we've we spent a good we spent over an hour tonight talking about this about this dynamic so the relationship and the relationship in which there are tests and challenges and so-called problems and conflicts of those egos triggering one another and working together to try to drive a wedge and drive us apart and create this storm is an opportunity for us to <clears throat> be in the lighthouse as a couple as a team and shine the light onto our vessel onto our relationship as it's being tossed and turned and 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 in the midst of the storm and trying to be sunk and it's in the light of consciousness that we have a chance to comprehend 
the nature of the egos, the nature of the storm, and the nature and the direction of the vessel, and and its orientation to the rocks, and guide ourselves through that. But any and all egos that have previously comp been comprehended, they can be eliminated in White Tantra by Divine Mother Kundalini. So when she's brought into activation through the act of making love in White Tantra, again, that's having the sexual energy flowing up and in and not down and out through fornication, not down and out through orgasm, but up and in. And the, uh, the uh, retention and preservation of that precious sexual force, that precious energy, and harnessing and using that energy, she can eliminate uh, and liberate us from any previously comprehended ego. But that process for the truly stubborn, truly powerful, truly strong egos, that process can only take place in White Tantra, in a loving relationship with our spouse. This is the hard truth and the hard reality of the spiritual path. And this is why couples have joined in holy matrimony since the dawn of since the dawn of time and why it was in ancient times a custom for couples because couples were uh, were not sexually active until their wedding night and the reason why that was is because the world knew the world recognized that you were married as soon as you had sex you were married so if you were to be married and, and you might as well get married and then have sex afterwards on your wedding night because you might as well have your ceremony and invite all your friends and have the big celebration because otherwise you're belittling the act You're, you're already so then so that if you have sex before marriage by the time you have your marriage the marriage is kind of a sham because you already got married the, the first time you had sex and there was nobody around to have a big party or anything so but there's another reason why and that was the the tradition for couples to go on a great journey they would get married and they would go on a they would go on their honeymoon and the honeymoon entailed them traveling to the temples where they would be instructed in the art and science of lovemaking. They would be instructed in White Tantra. They would be initiated into the, the secret teachings of White Tantra. And the reason why White Tantra was, was kept secret and, and revealed only to the, uh, uh, the worthy was because... Um, Once the power of sexuality and the creative force is revealed and its ability to create the solar bodies, its ability for white Tantra to create the God-man, the, to, to, the Christified uh, individual, free of their ego and embodying the Christ, once that science is revealed, uh, it's, it doesn't take a huge leap of imagination to uh, figure out how to corrupt that and turn it into black tantra 
if the sexual force has the power to create a god, then it follows that the sexual force has the power to create a demon. And that the fact that black, black Tantra is what is taught and what is promoted and encouraged in the new age and around the world just goes to show you how much of a stranglehold the Black Lodge has over this humanity. And, and when you listen to or when you see uh, individuals on Facebook and on online on the internet uh, promoting and and bragging in a way and, and the way they talk about about spiritual orgasm and, and all this all this stuff it, it's 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 dark it's so dark you can see the energy if you're sensitive enough you can see the dark energy just radiating out from it it's purely dark it's 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 uh, these these uh you know these uh these witches and these these sorceresses and and all this stuff on facebook and they've got all these followers and and they 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 collect all this money from their followers and they have them all hypnotized and seduced they're true sirens the true sirens of the of the of the worst possible kind and they are and they are they're preaching this this well black magic right black tantra and they're basically encouraging and teaching everybody how to become how to become demons especially when they bring in the manifesting your desires and they just keep they just keep piling it on and on and on but of course they leave a lot they don't give them everything everything is in a kind of like um the the minimal minimal required information to to um guarantee that they add to the ranks of the black lodge but in the in the lowest possible rank so they're creating pawns they're not creating master you know demons master black magicians like you don't you don't find that information disseminated in the new age because the new age is very lukewarm it's very it's very um just monday like it's 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 kindergarten level stuff right it's it's just enticing enough it's just seductive enough to get people to come in and, and and come into the club but there's not enough there to make them truly powerful and truly dangerous and truly you know a threat to anybody higher up in the hierarchy so you don't get full-blown chaos magic and full-blown black magic spells and incantations and all the rest of it and uh, all that stuff that that stuff you got to really go digging for and that's not in the new age you won't find any of that stuff in the new age you have to go really digging for that uh, online into the dark web and 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 whatnot in different places to really start getting into the uh, the the deeper left hand path stuff and that's by design because just like you know the white lodge um, the higher levels are not for everybody but the cost of admission into the white lodge. Is sacrifice and and birth death and sacrifice birth death and sacrifice are the three factors of evolution and the revolution of the consciousness so sacrifice of that which you are identified with and that which you are attached to 
you, you're going to have to, you will reach a time when you have to sacrifice those things. You have to let them go. And um, that's the cost of admit, uh, cost of admission, right? I mean, you can't become a Buddha. You can't become awake and still be asleep. This that's just doesn't. That's just self-evident logic. Um, we're pretty much at the end of uh, what we wanted to... Uh, to mention and speak about. We have some time left though. Um, there's only a few of us uh, on right now, but um, if you have any sort of experience or situation that you wanna ask questions about or that you wanna share, now is a perfect time to do it because we can tell you from our own experience what's happening in that if you're in a relationship now and you're having you're suffering from something or you're you're having a problem by all means like you know you can speak in general terms you don't have to be specific um just be as specific as you need to be to get the point across uh just you know just put it throw it into throw it here into the chat in the meantime here's something that we'll share with you um because we have we can share case studies of the type of thing that we're being We've been talking about. Uh, we went to Spain to um, to meet someone who we met online, and um, and we we knew that this this individual was a potential candidate for to be our life partner. And she was um, she was uh, she had a a young boy, and um, she was about seven years younger than us, something like that. And um, they were living in Spain, in Valencia, and uh, we, we, she were talking about us uh, running retreats out of this house in Spain, and and uh, and and anyway, regardless, we really hit it off. We we spoke for hours at a time, and um, online on Skype and Facebook Messenger and whatever, and um, so so I went to Spain to see if if to see what's what. Because, well, we'll tell you another story. You're very welcome, Roy. Uh, very welcome. Um, here's something that you should know uh, about this online stuff and meeting somebody online. You don't know. You don't know if you have chemistry with someone over the internet you don't know you might um, but you don't you won't know if it works out until you're in person the reason why that is and this is where I'm heading with the story with a woman in Spain is that as you know we've mentioned many 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 times we've lived with this this demon the cause of our epilepsy the cause of our depression this demon of fear and 
we discovered once we were in Spain, once we were in the company of this individual, this woman, that she was likewise uh, totally and utterly gripped by fear, possessed by fear. And our fear was triggering her fear. And of course, it was manifesting in her as control. The desire to control circumstances and the desire to control people. And uh, it became very clear that she was unaware of this fact. And when we tried to make her aware of it, she reacted with fear and with control. And that um, it, be it became um, intenable, it became impossible. In other words, it was, it was, it, it was this, and, and then she just poured on and piled on and doubled down on the fear and control and the fear and control and the fear and control. And, and each time we, we, we were just pointing out this, the more that you do this, the more you're in fear and control. You do you not see that. And she would just re react with fear and control and fear and control. And this never showed up. This never manifested. Like I was in Canada and she was in Spain. This never manifested over, over the internet, over, over our conversations. It was only when we were in physical, only when we were in the the physical field of each other's energy, and that the, the chemistry really got going. And um, and we we you know we had to leave her there, and we 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 went we went to Barcelona. We went to La Sagrada Familia. And um, which was um, an absolute uh, beautiful um, I mean, that was a beautiful uh, uh, journey and trip on its own. It's something that was on our bucket list if if that's the uh, the, the 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 right expression. Um, where's our, uh, that's strange. Anyway, I was going to show you some pictures from La Sagrada Familia and for some reason I can't find them right, right now. Um, so everything that we're sharing tonight comes from, like, if you can learn from our failures, then do so, right? We're, you're, we're, we're still single today because, again, we haven't yet met someone who is able to um, practice this in a relationship. 
and is aware of the and and conscious and aware and comprehending of the dynamic of the typical relationship and how this is what's happening um, in in those in conflicts and relationships and that and that it takes two to tango and if you can learn from from our experiences then do so um, if you are in difficult situations challenging situations challenging relationships um, comprehend the dynamics that are taking place and um, and use that precious opportunity to have that mirror that's in your life to 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 understand and comprehend yourself better those things that are manipulating you and those things that are that are uh, uh, screwing with you in your own life um, but that dynamic um, like attracting like and the ego is triggering one another and and tag teaming you use that that analogy of wrestling right the tag team wrestling match and if you can use that analogy and the lighthouse analogy uh, if you can you know share this live stream with them we also have an article which we wrote a while ago now um, and we just posted the link in the chat um, The, that that article um, is entitled "Lovers and, and Chi Eaters," um, related to the fact that our egos are after our sexual energy, which is also our chi, our prana, and. Um, you can share that article with them, read that article with together with them. Um, and that should be on, there we go. The hidden truth about sex and relationship and who's screwing you and are you getting screwed? So basically this talk is um, an extended or an expanded look at what's in that article. So this information we've had for you know some time now, and we like again we we put it in our blog form, and now we're sharing it with you live on the stream, and this knowledge if you can go through life seeing reality seeing your relationships on this deeper level where you're now looking at the surface what's happening on the surface is just that just on the surface but you can see the machinations the the the, the entities pulling the levers beneath the surface
it will free you from the prison of being stuck in emotional attachment and 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 being caught up in in the storms and the waves right this is part of the this is part of the process of 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 getting out of the boat and into the lighthouse seeing the storm for what it is and seeing the vessel for what it is and not allowing yourself to get emotionally caught up remember at the very beginning we mentioned how how relationships are difficult not least because of our emotional attachments and our emotional investments into one another and so we get emotionally wound up and caught up in we don't have that healthy detachment we don't have that ability to step out and be in the lighthouse and shine the light because we're, we're always getting pulled in and the egos are doing that on purpose that's by design and it doesn't mean we have to be we don't want to we don't want to be so detached in the sense of emotionally unavailable we don't want to be like mr spock we don't want to be like a robot or we don't want to be indifferent but there's a there's a fine line there's the there's the, there is there's a reason why they call the path of white tantra the path of the razor's edge it's a balancing act because you can fall too far the other way right and falling too far the other way like falling too fall into it is one thing but you can fall out of it and that's through indifference through not caring through blaseness through through coldness emotionally unavailable uh, uh, emotional unavailability shutting yourself off closing yourself down we're not talking about that we're not encouraging that we don't want anybody to walk away from this thinking that all emotion is bad and all you know and and we have to avoid it or we're not avoiding anything here we're not even avoiding the fights we're not avoiding the conflict what we're avoiding is identifying with the conflict and the causes of the conflict we're separating ourselves from that and saying I am not this emotion I am not these thoughts I am not this body I am the observer of these things never say to your partner I am angry with you no you're not you feel angry towards your partner but you are not angry you are not angry if you say I am angry you are identifying and attaching yourself to the ego of anger you're bottling yourself up inside of anger when you say I am angry when you say I feel angry and you tell your partner you know what I got to tell you I'm feeling really angry right now how different is that than saying I'm angry at you I'm pissed off at you or listen I got to tell you I'm getting a little pissed pissed here I'm, I'm I'm feeling a little pissed here I'm feeling I'm feeling I'm feeling angry I have to tell you I, I have to tell you I'm feeling angry and if your partner is on the same page and your partner has listened to this talk with you or read that article with you and recognizes in themselves that same phenomenon and say yeah yeah you know what I, I I feel you because I'm 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 feeling angry too now how different is that having a conversation with your partner in the middle of it all and saying I'm feeling angry are you feeling angry 
I get a I get a feeling. I, 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 I have a feeling that you're angry right now. Cause I'm feeling angry and I think, I think we're triggering each other's anger or I think, and I think what's coming from, and I think it might be coming from a place of fear because I think that, I think that I'm feeling like, like my control is being threatened or my, my, you know, and then that, that maybe you feel the same way that you're, that, that we're trying to, we're trying to control each other or control the situation. That means fear is trying to fuck with us right now. And if your partner is on the same page as you and recognizes you and says, you know what? I think that's right. I feel the same way. I feel the same thing. I see the same thing. That it's that it's fear and it's control and it's 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 trying to drive a wedge between us. It's trying to do this and and say, okay, well, how do we get here? Like what 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 caused it? What what when did it start? How do we get here? How do we wind up where we are right now? Well, you said, well, you said this, and then I said this, and you said this, and I said this, and I felt this, and you said, right? All of a sudden, now you're workshopping. You haven't changed anything. You're still angry, or you're still frustrated, or you're still whatever. But now the two of you are over here, looking and observing at the stage, and looking at yourselves, playing out this drama on the stage. And you guys are like Statler and Waldorf and the Muppets up in the balcony, looking down from above and saying, ah, look what they're doing. See how crazy that is? See how wacky they are? This is what we mean by healthy detachment. By recognizing that whatever is happening on the stage is just a, it's just a play. It's a, it's a, it's a soap opera. But like all plays, like all soap operas, it's a morality play. There's something for us to learn from these characters who are acting out this drama on the stage. That's why it's called drama, or that's why it's called comedy. And every drama can be a comedy, which is another thing that brings us back to wrestling. And we use the analogy of wrestling on Friday to talk about wrestling with our egos, because wrestling is fun. Let's face it, we all play wrestle when we're kids. And dogs wrestle, and dogs love wrestling. It's fun. It's a riot. There's people who wrestle. There's all those amateur wrestlers go to the Olympics wrestling. And then people love watching wrestling on TV because it's fun. It's entertaining. It's wrestling. Nobody dies. It's not ultra-violent. It's not ultra-violence. It's, it's not even MMA. People love MMA for a different reason. But people love wrestling because it's a morality play. Like, like WWE, right? It's a soap opera. It's good versus evil. It's archetypes. It's archetypal. And they play out these stories. And it just so happens it's very physical and it's violent. But it's wrestling. Kids wrestle. Dogs wrestle. And you and kid dogs, they're best friends and they wrestle. They wrestle because they like each other. So in other words, this can be fun. If you're with the right person, truly on the spiritual path, the person you're meant to be with, the person that you can really work on these egos, yours and theirs. They working on theirs, you're working on yours, but together working on each other and working on the relationship through watching the dynamic, letting the dynamic play out and sitting back and say, ha ha, look at the dynamic playing out. Did you see that? Did you see what I just did there? 
Did you see what just happened there? I bet you I triggered your fear. I bet you I bet you I, I made you I just pissed you off right there doing that because I was doing this thing I always do. And learn that time doesn't exist. Joan Rivers once said that comedy equals tragedy plus time. Comedy equals tragedy plus time. If you think about that, any tragedy given enough time can become funny. Or at least with en when enough time has passed, you can start making jokes about it or around it or what have you. But time is an illusion. And time heals all wounds only applies to those people who, who are identified and have attachments or bottled up inside of their ego and can't and can't detach themselves if you can learn to detach yourself in the moment and time doesn't exist time is an illusion and a delusion of ego then you can laugh about things in the moment and if you're with the right person who's on the right spiritual path who understands all of this who comprehends and is on the same page as you then then they will like you join with you in laughing about what's going on right in front of you and it's not it's no longer going to be a dramatic soap opera now it's going to be a uh, a sitcom okay jennifer jason asks how can you know what part is yours and what is your spouse's part of the dynamic for example when you are trying to acknowledge your part but when you are being gaslit it can get confusing as to what you should be owning up to and what is not yours to own up to Thank you so much for your presentation. It has been so helpful. Okay, Jennifer, it's all it's all yours. There is no half and half here. There's no half and half. It's one and one. It's two. There's not two halves here. It's not what part is yours. Everything that's yours is yours, and everything that's theirs is theirs. If you're being gaslit, it's you that are it's you, it's your gas that's being lit. Right? There, it, so it's not a question of this is my part and this I'm it's not it's not a question of I'm 70% at fault here and you're 30% at fault or you're 60% at fault and I'm 40% at fault. No, no, no. I'm 100% at fault and you're 100% at fault. It takes two to tango. It's not a question of acknowledging your part and acknowledging their part. It's acknowledging what you're doing now. In the case of my father and I, and that dynamic, and I was saying what he was doing to try to control me was actually in reaction to the fact that I was living in fear and I was afraid of him. And every time I was around him, I was in fear. So my fear was triggering his fear, which was causing him to try to control me. If that's what you're asking, how do you, how, how can you know what is yours and what is your spouse's? Well, the simple fact of the matter is, is you have to be in control of you. So you take care of your part, which is your 100%. That's what you do. You take care of that. And once you get, if you get that under control and the dynamic between you and your partner changes, now you know what was your part and what was their part. Now, if you get your thing under control and they don't change well again now you know what was your part and what was their part in the dynamic
So it's the, the only way you can know this is to observe and to experience. To experience and to observe that experience is the only way that you can get to know. But you have to observe, you have to pay attention. One eye in and one eye out. And you have to watch the dynamic. And you will see the dynamic. You will see the back and forth. You will see the yin and yang spinning around and rotating around. Once you practice observing this and, and observing in what's happening in yourself and observing the back and forth, the, the action, reaction, 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 right? And that's a downward spiral and you observe all of these things and then you will recognize that it's not, that, that we are both playing a part and it's a part of one thing, but it's two individuals who are, who are rotating around each other. So you can't have that dynamic with only one individual or one part. Like that's, that's why the, the, the way you phrase the question, um, well, I think we, I think we know what you're getting at, but the, the language that you used is uh, a reinforces a, a, a sort of a, a wrong way of thinking about it or, or not exactly the right way to think about it. It's like a dance or like a wrestling match. Would you ask what, part does one wrestler play in a wrestling match would you, is that a, is that an appropriate way to ask that question in a wrestling match how do you know what what part one opponent plays versus what part that the other opponent plays in a wrestling match it's it's it's, it's a wrestling match it's a, or it's a, or it's a chess game or it's like any type of conflict, right? It's it takes two to tango. Any type of relationship, any type of things, right? It's when you say that you are being gaslit and it can get confusing uh, what you should be owning up to and what is not yours to own up to. If you're being gaslit, it's 100% to, uh, up to you to own up to that fact. Because nobody can gaslight you if you're not filled with gas, they'd, they'd be lighting nothing. They, they can they can try to spark you all they want. They can try to trigger you all they want. But if you got under if you got your 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 all of your sexual force under control and safely locked down, then they can try to light your gas all you want. But they can't gaslight you because you won't react to it. You won't react to their gaslighting. That's the hard truth. That's the hard fact. Is that is that is that people who push your buttons, they might be the ones pushing your buttons, but it's your button that's being pushed. And if that button is connected to a nuclear explosion, right? That nuclear device is inside of you. They didn't plant the nuclear device inside of you. That nuclear device was inside of you, and that button was there begging to be pushed. Why do we say begging to be pushed? Because if someone doesn't push that button and you don't blow up, how do you know that you're a ticking time bomb waiting to blow up? If someone doesn't come along and press that button, you, you can spend your entire life as a ticking time bomb. And then one day someone comes along and presses a button and you blow up. You're like, how did I know? Well, because people have been pushing that button for your entire life. And you didn't, if you haven't learned that if 
that 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 you're a ticking time bomb and that you're explosive and you need to get those explosives into a safe place so that when people push your buttons you don't explode that's on you that's on you right think practically about this think use analogy and allegory whenever possible keep it simple but be practical if there is an explosive depot that blows up the investigation begins where at the owners of the explosives depot of the fireworks factory of the what did you have your safety protocols was the building was you was you know were you being responsible with these explosives? Yes or no? It's on the owner of the explosives. If just imagine, just imagine, uh, you know, uh, um, is somebody walking by and you know smoking a cigarette and just you know throwing it throwing it uh, uh, into a window and the entire uh, block goes up. It was whose fault is it? Was it the guy who threw the cigarette? Is he responsible for the entire block blowing up? He threw a cigarette. Or is it responsible for the people who were who owned the explosives factory that the cigarette landed inside and set off a chain reaction and caused an explosion in the explosive factory? This is a hard truth. This is the hard truth. Is that we 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 want to blame? We want to be the victim. We want to uh, uh, you know, but the hard truth is, we need to take a long, hard look at ourselves and ask why am I getting triggered? Why is this? Well, why is this person able to to push my buttons and gaslight me like that? It's right. Why can anybody do that with you? Could I? Does it mean that they're faultless? No, but who cares? Honestly, really and truly, who cares? We're not, this is not, we're not, we're not looking for faults. We're not. We're not judging. We're not. This is not a process of blaming or judging or or whatever. The other attribute to doing this with your partner is the recognition of objective facts and and getting to a point where you can talk about egos like computer viruses, as if as if these are computer viruses infecting a computer. Or a parasite or something like talking about it in in almost like a medical way or, or again a practical analogy sort of way instead of emotionally and saying well you know what I think you're reacting with fear right now and then reacting to that and saying how dare you judge me how dare you uh, do this or whatever how dare you uh, project onto me whatever because as soon as you, as soon as the person's reacting that way, because they're they're identified with the very fear that you just pointed out, and they're identified with their pride, and they're fearful that you're judging them. They're fearful that you're going to think that because you're you're finding faults in them, and they're afraid of their own defects and vices. 
They're trying to put on airs. They're trying to present the, the, the best version of themselves. It's another thing about relationships, right? If you can't walk around naked in the house with your partner and be completely comfortable, you're, you're, not, you're, you're in the wrong relationship. Because you have to be able to strip off every layer and bare your soul to that person. Walking around naked is nothing. That's that that's like the that should be the first thing that you do, right? Is to, to walk around naked. And the next thing you do is bare your soul to that person. Like, honestly, why wait? And why 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 put it off? Like why uh, uh you know why would you in fact you should bare your soul to the person before you strip off your clothes and get naked with them? Bearing your soul to them should be it should be one of the first things you do. Now, you don't do it on the first date necessarily. But if you can't bear your soul to the person that you're with, how do you know your soulmates? And if you cannot show them, if you cannot experience your, your, your highest self, your deepest self, but also your deepest uh, 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 defects and vices, and talk about them and reveal them and say, this is who I am. This is what I am. Like, why would you try to conceal that? Why would you try to hide that or deny that when it comes to the surface, deny that when it comes up or when he points it out or when she points it out and call it gaslighting and call it playing games and all this other nonsense, right? We like, there's this image You, it's it's. You're building something. You're creating something, and what you're creating is sacred. And the material that you're creating that sacred something with. Are the very defects and vices are is reliant on the very defects and vices that you're trying to conceal. Because within those defects and vices are the precious commodity known as consciousness. And, and the fuel, the energy source that those defects and vices are stealing and consuming and using against you is that oh so precious uh, commodity called the sexual energy, the vital energy, the sexual force. The creative energy. You have to know what you're dealing with. You have to know them. They have to know you. You have to know yourself. And they have to know themselves. To be a spiritual couple, to have a spiritual relationship, we have to work on the relationship, on the marriage on um, itself, as we do ourselves as individuals. And we have to be able to work as a couple, as a team, as one unit, as one entity, as a couple on that marriage as we do individuals on ourselves. If we do not, if we cannot do that, then it's not a spiritual relationship and it will not last and it will not endure. It might endure, it might last on a mundane level and you can grow old together and retire and everything else, but it will not accomplish spiritually what you need to accomplish or what you could have accomplished 
because try and expand your consciousness using your imagination around the layers where you as an individual, you and your innermost and the Christ, you come together with another monad, their physical vessel, their monad, and their innermost intimate Christ, which is one with you. And it's on that level that you connect in that true oneness and that true spirituality. If you can't create a single oneness and unity out of just two sparks, two essences of the Christ, if you cannot manifest and, and demonstrate and experience and create a oneness out of two essences and create a perfect unity of duality, right? If you cannot create the perfect matrimony, the perfect unity of, of duality, how, how do you expect to participate and experience in the perfect multiple unity of, of infinity? You cannot, you, you cannot, because knowledge is, comes from experience. Gnosis, self-evident experiential knowledge, is what we seek, comes from experience. If you cannot create synergistic, loving relationships, a unity of a duality or a unity of multiplicity among among a nuclear family, among a, a family of individuals, but most critically and most importantly, among a man and a woman, the masculine and feminine, in a relationship, if you cannot create that and have experience and demonstrate that, that, that creating uh, love in that dynamic, how do you expect to be able to do so? with a perfect multiple unity where you're dealing with countless monads, countless essences of the Christ being as one. Because it's, it's, all, it's all baby steps to get there. But this baby step that we're talking about, just bringing two souls, two monads together and creating a, a, a unity of duality, if you can't achieve that, just forget about forget about any aspirations you have for higher spirituality. This is what it means working on yourself and working in the uh, in the uh, spiritual uh, spiritual gymnasium, the spiritual exercise room, workout room of of socializing and being in relationships with others. Because this is where that that uh, that proving ground is, and if you can't learn uh, and practice uh, birth, death, and sacrifice within the confines of a of a marriage and with the confines of a of a of a family, 
So the death of death of the ego and your attachments or identifications and that which no longer serves you and no longer serves the path and no longer serves the relationship. If you can't let go of those things, if you can't let go of your attachment to the orgasm, for example, and if you can't sacrifice that, well, how are you going to sacrifice your own life? You sacrifice your false self for the sake of your higher self, your true self. If you can't sacrifice even one or two things that that your false self desires and, and is attached to how are you going to sacrifice your whole self and everything that your false self is attached to how are you going to achieve psychological death which is to die before you die because birth death and sacrifice is the path death of the ego birth of the human soul and sacrifice for others in humanity but sacrifice is is letting go that which you have to you know invest and in, in, by, by letting go but you 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 pay what you owe and you 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 well i don't think we need to embellish i think everybody understands what the word sacrifice means does anyone have any more questions We can share another story. Oh, you're very welcome. Uh, we, we hope we... We covered it. Um, as you might imagine, it's difficult uh, when one is on the path of the Bodhisattva to... to find um, uh, a partner a a true companion a true a true uh, partner in this in this life in this life work and so we've we've used the internet in so far as we've we're active on Facebook and um, and uh, there is another situation where a woman uh, approached us and appeared to be very much on the same page with us. And uh, this woman was in Guatemala. And we went down to Guatemala to be with her. And um, we bought an open-ended ticket. And um, we went and we met her. And, and uh, sure enough, um, there were warning signs ahead of time but uh, we went down there and uh and again like the situation in spain very similar she shared a fear that was on par with our with our own with our own entity and of course these things were were working against us they were tag teaming us and um, a, uh, a situation unfolded whereby I became very sick. I got salmonella poisoning uh, from some chicken. And um, I'll spare you the details, but I was it was coming out of both ends. Uh, let's just put it that way, right? The, the, the chicken 
was was nonstop coming out of both both ends of me, and I was completely exhausted. Not only I I I was just at, like this this happened like forty eight hours into into my stay there, and I was just totally drained of energy. I could barely, you know, I could barely muster up the energy to go to the uh, to the washroom when I needed to, and I needed to do that a lot. Um, um, and this person became absolutely incensed that I wasn't, I wasn't, um, I wasn't doting all over her and I wasn't, I wasn't like, I was finally there with her, but I wasn't in the mood and I wasn't paying her the attention that she felt that she deserved or that she needed and that she wanted. Um, and I was trying to explain to her that I'm sorry, but I, I like, I have no energy. All my energy is being drained through the act of, you know, through, through, through projectile vomiting and diarrhea. Like how much, how much energy and how much, how much, uh, how much, um, uh, uh, um, uh, enamored, enamorousness, amorousness, how much amorousness can you expect me to be able to muster up when I've been for, you know, for, for, for 12 hours straight, I've been doing nothing but vomiting and, 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 and having diarrhea. Like, um, but she said that that's, that's no excuse and you're only as it's all in your head and you're only as sick as you think you are. And she pulled all this, all this, all of a sudden, all this new age nonsense started coming out about, uh, uh, uh whatnot. It's like, um, and she just wouldn't leave it alone. She wouldn't leave me alone. There I was in a weakened state and, and, um, and she was just this control, you know, this, this control, control, control. And then of course that triggered the, the demon. And, um, you know, we're not proud of this, but we'll share it with you. All of a sudden, despite the fact that we had no energy, and we were weak from salmonella poisoning, she kept poking and poking and poking us with a stick, metaphorically speaking, to find we couldn't take it anymore. We grabbed her by the throat and we pinned her up against the wall. We lifted her like Darth Vader would lift somebody and we pinned her up against the wall. And we told her that if she wouldn't, if she doesn't stop, that I will end you. And I looked down and there was some flagstones stone walkway um, in the garden and I picked the rock that I was going to smash her head on 
And that's what it's like to be possessed in the moment. And possessed by anger, of course, but that anger was working for fear. It was working for the demon. And I was this close to becoming a murderer. Second degree murder, perhaps, but don't think it would have made too much difference in Guatemala. And thank God I stopped myself. I realized in the moment what was going on. And I realized that it was I was in a weakened state. In that weakened state, that whole thing and her poking me and everything was my demon working with hers to sabotage and to destroy me and my mission. It was a test. It was a, it was a, it was a, another big test. And I don't know if we passed the test, but I know we failed. We didn't fail the test. And I don't know if that makes any sense to you guys, but it certainly makes sense to us. Is that definitely we, we, we were brought to a point, the razor's edge. We were definitely brought to an edge and we certainly were in, we were being possessed in that moment by our demon. That's without any shadow of a doubt. So in that sense, we failed. But we didn't follow through. So in that sense, we succeeded because we didn't, we didn't end up in a Guatemalan prison. We didn't end up with blood on our hands. But um, we, would, we, we, we went back inside, we grabbed our suitcases, and we went, back, we went back to the youth hostel. And then from there, we went to Tikal. We looked at the pyramids, the, uh, the Inca pyramids in Tikal, and then we went home. So we left her there. Um, about 18 months later, uh, won't get into too long the story, but 18 months later, we found out from a mutual friend on Facebook that she passed away. She had passed away from breast cancer. And she was a nurse. She was a Australian nurse living in Guatemala. And uh, while I was down there, there was time before I went down there, there was talk that I would also go to Guatemala with her. And, um, or sorry, no, sorry, that I would go to a visitor in Guatemala, but that, that I would go to Australia with her afterwards to meet her family and so on. And I could see myself living in Australia because I live in Canada. So, you know, uh, Australia couldn't be that different except for the nicer weather uh, and the different wildlife. But um, <clears throat> it turns out that she had catfished us, if you know that term. Look it up. She catfished up because she, being a nurse, she knew that she had breast cancer. And she was so desperate for us to go down to Guatemala, and she was so desperate for us to go with her to Australia because she didn't want to die alone. And she knew that we would never abandon someone who's in that situation. And, um, and she's right. She, we wouldn't have. But the reason why her demon came and, and, and possessed her when we fell ill and sick 
and she was worried she was afraid that we she, we didn't find her sexy enough that we didn't love her that we that we we were no longer interested in her she was terrified that that she was being made to be terrified that 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 we would not go with her to australia and would not take care of her because we know we knew what her plan was we meditated on it we knew what their plan was to go to australia and when while she was australia there that's when she would get the official diagnosis but that's where she would get her health care because they have nationalized health care in australia like we do in, in canada right it's it's uh so that's where she would go through her chemotherapy and everything for her cancer but she didn't want to go through all of that by herself because she's a nurse she knows what that's like and um um but that situation of that moment of that moment of of of, of being brought to the brink of such a violent act and recognizing just what a powder keg just how dangerous this this demon was it wasn't just dangerous in the sense that it, it can give us seizures but it was very it had very real danger and that and how it could be triggered and especially in, our, in the in the confines of a romantic relationship now it took a it took extraneous circumstances because we don't know many people who uh who would treat someone suffering from salmonella poisoning and spending 12 hours in the toilet vomiting and, and and with diarrhea we don't know many people normal people who would sit there poking and prodding and berating the person for not being amorous enough with them when they were when they were suffering from salmonella poisoning that was an extraneous circumstance we were we were being stretched into a into a uh, 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 but nevertheless it just proved that under the right circumstances under the right conditions weakened enough and 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 pushed and prodded enough and being triggered by someone with the same demon lurking inside of them the same demon which, which is the cause of her cancer right in, in us, it was causing, it caused epilepsy, caused depression. In her, it brought about her cancer. That was her demon. And her demon and my demon almost got me, got me to the point of, of homicide. Because the fear in her feared the cancer that she had and feared suffering through and going through all of that. So if she wasn't going to go through that with me next to her, then she wasn't going to go through it at all. And she was going to get me to end her life. Now do you see, now do you begin to see how it's not so simple as what's on the surface? And how one thing, fear, was behind that entire dynamic and that entire relationship and that whole planning and everything and how it had multiple different avenues, multiple different courses that it could have taken. But it was fear that was behind it all. Her fear and my fear and our fears, bonafide demons, powerful, powerful entities expressing this fear, powerful entities 
truly and um well again this is just another uh, experience that we had that helped to show us Um, and reveal to us and uh, and give us the experience um, that you know many couples go through on different levels now not every couple gets to the point where it gets to that level of potential violence but um, you know the the suffering and the the failure to learn from the causes of suffering the failure to recognize and and extract the knowledge of all of this and 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 it's a it's a great it's a great tragedy so many just continue on making the same mistakes and then ending up in the same cycle of dysfunctional relationships or their relationship lasts for so many years and then it breaks down and falls apart or people who are trying to be spiritual and trying to you know to develop and evolve on the level of their monad the level of their their divine soul um but they keep falling into the trap of fornication they keep falling into the other you know traps of uh, of of what we're talking about and they've, they keep, they, they're stuck on the surface and they, they're stuck with identifying with what they're feeling on the surface and never getting beneath the surface and identifying the entities that are, that are pulling the strings and the levers and pressing the buttons. And um, it was our hope that we could help shed light and, um, on, on this and, um, and help you guys help you guys um, seek the lighthouse and seek to be the keepers of the light and to shine that light on the vessel in the middle of the storm um, mob talk to you what do you want me to say <laughs> that I'm not already saying <laughs> We're probably at the end or near the end now. So if you have any other questions uh, or comments, now's the time to share them. Else, uh, it feels like I'm going through this. Well, everybody goes through this. Everybody without exception because nobody's perfect and if nobody's perfect you're you are attracting somebody into your life which is likewise imperfect like like you are imperfect and the imperfections that you have are going to be mirrored in the person that you're with 
your 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 egos right and those egos are going to be conspiring with one another yours and yours and theirs and everything we talked about tonight and if you've missed the other part of this live stream remember it will be live it'll stay on youtube you'll be able to watch it from the beginning um and it's not going anywhere unless youtube deletes it because we're not going to delete it um but this is the objective reality of what's going on and why it feels like you're going through this is because you are because we all are and maybe not to the degree maybe not to the extent that uh you know some of the uh, uh some of the uh, uh experiences that we shared with you but on some level some level and it doesn't that doesn't necessarily mean romantic partners family members friends co-workers this is the dynamic this is the dynamic this is how quote satan you know rules humanity our individual shaitan our individual satan our, our the our shadow self the egos pull the strings press the buttons conspire with one another conspire with their with their um compliments in our in our relationships and that's what causes toxic relationships and conflicts they distract us from ourselves of course but more importantly from their point of view they distract us from them our egos distract us from them our egos do not want us to do this they do not want us to shine the light our egos want us to remain lost in the dark in the storm in the vessel they don't want us to find our way and make our way to the lighthouse where we can direct the light of consciousness onto them no they want to distract us with the storm and get us all identified and worried about and panicky and lost at sea why so they can they can keep screwing with us yeah you get it now if you really want to get it watch our live stream on youtube from friday night about uh stress anxiety and depression where we go through this lighthouse analogy from the beginning just just for ourselves on our own and so when when we're in a relationship when we're in the, we're in a couple relationship and we're having a fight and someone's saying no it's not me it's you it's all you the the egos are distracting us as a couple or one of the individuals of the couple is is it's keeping it's it's blaming the other person right it's keeping the attention off of the ego inside of them which is what's causing the anger in the first place because both cup both uh, um couples are are getting screwed the egos are in both couples the couples are getting screwed from the from within 
Both are. But the egos have them fighting with each other and blaming each other. Why? So they can continue screwing with them. So they can continue screwing them from within. That's why the egos keep focusing us on the outside. Right? It's, it's, it's bait and switch. It's the classic distraction that magicians use. Misdirection, right? Look over here. Look over here. Look over here. And then they pick your pocket. That's what egos are doing. Deception, distraction, delusion, misdirection, uh, misappropriation. Th these are these the modus operandi of ego. And that's why you will notice if you go back on our live streams, um, esoteric and, and ex exoteric, correct. Egos want to keep us on the exoteric level. Why? So they can keep fucking with us on an, on the esoteric level, which is which is reality, which is the reality. They want to keep us focused on the illusion, the exoteric. That's the illusion. But everybody thinks that's real life. You see now why. We focus on what we focus on and why the uh, analogous ultimate methodology and why we're here talking about spirituality and we almost exclusively, exclusively talk about psychology and the analogous ultimate methodology of the elimination of egos, the, the uh, uh, observation, analysis, comprehension, and elimination of egos, the cathartic process. And how it, it uh, how it operates on all different levels, including on a societal level, on in 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 business and economics, in government, in in this is we don't sit here and talk about initiations, and we don't sit here and talk about you know this or that or what you know or what the Egyptian mystery schools were doing or whatever, you know, there, there are lots of other resources for that. There's lots of other masters who've, who've talked a lot of other things about esotericism and whatever, but that none of that's going to help you. It isn't. If you can't have a unity of duality in a relationship, if you can't have a sacred relationship with one other person, how the hell are you going to become a part of the great multiplicity of the universe. How are you going to be in a functional relationship with trillions of monads, with trillions of essences of the Christ, if you can't be in a functional relationship with one other monad? This is not... This is not hyperbole. This is not this is not a conjecture or theory or hearsay. It's self-evident experiential knowledge. If you can't function as a cell and you can't function in a symbiotic relationship with one other cell, how can you become in a symbiotic relationship? with trillions of other cells in something called the body.
the human being. A cell which is in a dysfunctional relationship with itself or the other cells around it, we have a name for that. That's called a cancer cell. Now, what happens to a cancer cell in the body? How does an immune system respond to the cancer cell in the body? Can the body survive? Can the body tolerate a cancer cell? If it's in a dysfunctional, toxic relationship to the cells around it, and it becomes, it becomes replicating and spreading in the body, right? This is why it is said in esoteric terms that God and the devil cannot mix. The Christ cannot allow someone into its midst. You cannot ascend into the great brotherhood of the White Lodge, into the great brotherhood of ascended masters. You cannot ascend there if you have ego. You cannot become a part of the logos, of the great multiplicity of the universe, if you cannot manage a loving relationship with one other monad. It's just the fact, the hard facts, that all those so-called spiritual seekers and rainbow warriors and all that bullshit in the new age, those people cannot swallow the truth. They cannot handle the truth. They can't. Because they are they are so they are so hypnotized by their own mystic pride, and they are so attached to their ideas and theories and concepts of what sacred sexuality is, and they all want to have. They all want to have sacred orgasms. They want to have more and more powerful orgasms. And they think that the more powerful and the more lengthy and the more this and the more that orgasm they have, that's the more spiritual sex that they're having. That's just like all those people taking the psychedelics. And if only I can have the perfect trip. And the deeper and the more profound trip I have, oh, I got to take more mushrooms. I got to take more DMT. They're just looking for the perfect trip that's finally going to create out of them a, somehow an ascended master. Each and every trip they take is into hell. Each and every orgasm you have is digging yourself deeper into hell, psychological hell. And if you practice black tantra, each and every orgasm you have harnessing the energy, the sexual force, and, and forcing it through lust and through the orgasm you are creating a, a awakened demon of yourself that's what you're creating and so every relationship um, we're going to finish with the uh the sentiment that we've stated before and we'll state again and we sound like a broken record, but we have to be. We have to be because you have to hear it a thousand times before you get it. And that is, if it's not sparks in the bedroom, it's a grease fire in the kitchen.
and we have to learn to manage that energy relationships are energy we are all energy but relationships especially the inter the interplay the interrelationship the dynamic is metaphysical it's scientific it's esoteric and it's we are literally playing with fire we are literally playing with the fires the divine fires of devi kundalini shakti our divine mother the creative fires of the universe and if you're not creating the light you're creating the dark if the energy is not flowing up and in it's flowing down and out that's the duality of the yin and yang because nothing in the universe stays still nothing in the universe everything is in motion everything moves everything changes so how are you changing are you evolving or are you devolving Um, we're getting on in time here, um, but we might as well, we might as well go to 12. We might as well go to midnight. Uh, we've been, we've stuck it through this long. Uh, so we have some time for some more questions or comments. If not, then perhaps we'll cut it a bit short. Uh, well, a bit short, nearly four hours is not a bit short. <laughs> um, Again, we we encourage you to uh, to to further your exploration here. Uh, spend some time with um, with our article. We'll share that link here again. Um, here's the uh, title card for that article. Um, you'll find this on atlas.info. Uh, you can find it relatively easily we think um, but we've included the link in the description as well but we also encourage you to uh, again watch any of our previous um, live streams on uh, on the egos or on um, the one from Friday on on stress anxiety and depression and um, the title card for that well you may feel that way mob um, we may have opened your eyes to a few things, but uh, it's going to take a while, uh, rest assured, uh, trust us on this, it's going to take a while for it to really hit home. Um, when, you ex when you begin to experience what we've shared with you tonight, and you begin to see it in the moment, moment by moment, that's when it's really going to start to click, and you're really going to start to... to, to it's it's really gonna it's really gonna hit home when you when you start living it and start experiencing it. To hear it from us is one thing, 
but to see it and live it and be it and experience it that's a whole other level of um yeah that's just a whole other level and uh when you get there you will uh when you get there you'll 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 know what we mean by that um Here's something that we just want to, um, oh no, it's not here what we want to do. What do we want to do? We want to go here. And okay, so this is the card from our, uh, our live stream from Friday. And uh, as you can see, it's the, the title was uh, Wrestling with uh, Stress, Anxiety, and Depression. Um, you can find this video. It should still be on Facebook. If you go to uh, Atlas Information. Um, but in addition to that, um, it will always be uh, here. This was episode uh, 14. And here is a link to YouTube for this um, for uh, this um, particular topic. And this is the uh, the topic where we we get into details about this this lighthouse analogy and working with this lighthouse uh, allegory. And applying it in your own life and if you can apply it in your own life and you can have your partner uh, recognize the wisdom of this and and work with you to apply this to your relationship so really the two the two live streams kind of go hand in hand um, with this concept of wrestling and the concept of the lighthouse and everything else but in Fridays, we were really talking about sort of chronic type conditions, like these egos that that haunt us all our life. And frankly, these are the these are the things that our life partner is there to help us with, and is very likely that they're suffering from the same thing that we're suffering from. Or if not, they're suffering from their own thing. But the two things are complementary, and uh, and uh, will 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 trigger in some way unless we have such good fortune and such good karma as to be with someone who doesn't have that issue as we do and they're just there to help us and dealing with and getting over our own issue on our own terms which is possible it's not it's not mandatory that uh that couples share all these problems and and so on as as we're describing the reason why we we uh because remember too that that the ideal couple will also have a lot of the same beliefs and ideas and and things as well so the the complement is there in the positive aspect as well as the the so-called negative aspect but the reason why we share this is bit is that again just going back to the beginning we're not here to talk about all the ways in which relationships work and which in which they gel and which everything is flowing beautifully and you know without because 
guess what? Nobody, nobody needs any help with that, right? When things are going well, when things are going easy, you don't, you don't need any intervention. You don't need any help with that. The challenge is when we're facing these struggles and challenges that no matter what we seem to do, we can't seem to overcome them. That's where people need help. That's where people need help. And the fact that the contemporary psychology and contemporary couples therapy and everything else don't, don't know anything about revolutionary psychology. They don't talk about demons anymore and fighting your demons and demons tag teaming with each other and, 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 and egos functioning as, as sentient entities who are lusting after our sexual force, who are desiring our consciousness and desiring to enslave us and make puppets out of us and make us uh, recruit us into the Black Lodge, right? Contemporary psychology knows nothing of this. And because they know nothing of this, they're completely ignorant and unable to help us on the spiritual path. They can help us a little bit, but what they really want to do is medicate us and medicate our symptoms. And we also get into that in our uh, in our talk on Friday because we talk about depression and anxiety and how the, uh, the contemporary psychologists have, have adopted the uh, the allopathic healthcare model and let's and let's uh, let's medicate let's medicate the um, the symptoms and let's not get to the heart of the matter of course not because they don't know what the heart of the matter is they can't accept the existence of the heart of the matter because it's woo right because everything has to be exoteric because all of that's all of that that allopathic healthcare and all of that contemporary psychology is being controlled by the black lodge so of course as we said what does the black lodge do it creates distractions and bait and switch and illusions and delusions and um and misdirections to keep the eyes to keep our eyes and our consciousness pointed away from them the black lodge is the ego they are our egos. They are the causes of all the suffering in the world. And they are esoteric, not exoteric. What we experience out there is just a, a, a reflection, a manifestation, and an expression of what we experience in here. That's the same is true on the micro level as in the macro level. So, so again, what's happening in the world um, you know, it's, it's like the war of the roses, right? <laughs> that it's war of the roses. It's, it's, it's sparks in the bedroom or it's uh, grease fire in the kitchen. It's, it's, it's just another, it's just a different level of relationships and, and egos manipulating and controlling. Um, and their desire to enslave us, put us to sleep, put our consciousness to sleep keep or keep us asleep for the most of humanity keep this humanity asleep and keep siphoning off their sexual energy keep using and exploiting like parasites and again we we just reiterate this is the plight of humanity and this is why we've dedicated our lives to um to talking about this and revealing as much as we can and bringing this to the surface and making this the conversation because this is the conversation we need to be having because this is the process and the action we need to be taking the, the the analogous ultimate methodology and everything that we do in the atlas project and everything we do with everything else um all supports and and enhances and all revolves around the analogous ultimate methodology the alm of life which is to help liberate humanity
from the influence of its own egos in relationships as individuals at all the whole thing okay thank you very much for uh, joining us tonight we hope to see you again soon we hope this was helpful and useful and if it is if it was helpful and useful then please do share it with everyone um, that you care about and that you feel uh, could benefit from it um, Uh, we're not looking for followers. We're not looking for money. We're not looking for any of that. We're just looking to help as many people as we can and uh, And to do that we we need your help to do that. We can't reach out to these people directly, right? So it's all word-of-mouth and if if you get something of value out of here, then do share it with others Don't don't keep that value for yourself Okay, thank you uh, everyone and um, and good night and hopefully we'll see you uh, on Friday or next Wednesday